Welcome to another edition of the Royal Alliance UK podcast, sponsored by Buzz and Sounds Recording Studio. My name's Matthew Turner. Thank you so much for joining us for our second Twitch stream and episode number 52, entitled, We Will, We Will Mock You. My, my name's Matthew Turner. I'm joined by my co-host and, and regular guests, Ryan and Steve. How are you doing, boys? All good, thanks. All good. Yeah, good. Ready, thanks. That was a very poor Freddie Mercury impression. Yeah, I'm just really disappointed that you sung it this time because a few weeks ago when I had Return of the Backup, you refused to sing in the style of Mark Morrison. So, you know, I'm a bit disappointed that you've come out and sung this week. Yeah, I mean, the problem is that that's probably no better than my actual singing voice. In fact, it's probably a blessing. No one needs to strangle a cat live on the air. <laughs> it's obviously something about Queen that just brings out the, the vocalist in you. Yeah. Some, something like that. Right, we're going to go through some news, which is going to be very quick because not a lot has happened. And then, as you can see from the spreadsheet on there, we're going to go through a live first round draft mock. So, without further ado, let's get started. There's been one signing this week. Safety Dean Marlowe has joined. He spent 2020 with Buffalo, where he actually played five times as many snaps as he has done in the last five years, 230 on the defence. He's a core special teamer, but on defence, he actually got 22 uh, tackles, two interceptions, and one and a half sacks. And then the contract details of Quentin Dunbar were released. He made 990 grand base and 137 k to sign. But because this falls under the veteran salary benefit, his cap pit is only just under $1 million. Cornelder's contract is for the veteran minimum. That's 920 grand. Boys, Dean Marlowe and then the contracts for the cornerbacks. Nothing to complain about, really. It all sounds very short term and very much a, a tryout year. So it kind of sounds like, um, you know, we, where we can see a fit and we see a possibility like some of these guys that we've signed have, have had injuries, niggling injuries. I think it was the same with like Dunbar. It sounds to me like it's a one-year tryout. Yep, I agree. Like you say, it's just, it's a redemption period. Come here, earn a bit of money. There's not that much pressure on them. So if they come in, they do a good job. There's an opportunity for them to get an extension and become a car member of the secondary. So they all work out financially for me. Yeah, they're just cheap, inoffensive moves, really, that don't threaten the um, the rebuild long-term. And, I mean, you've got all these guys' contracts coming up next year. If they do well, we've got $43 million in dead cap returning, so we've got plenty to pay the ones who play well. And then we've got plenty of money to go after to fill any holes on the roster. So, yeah, good moves all around. Look forward to seeing how they work. Cause some of them have the potential to be absolute steals on Vetmin this year, especially if some of them rediscover form of the past. So... But what I would what I'd like to see is if they don't work out, let's not keep them around for like two years like the previous regime. Like let's get rid of them by training camp if they're not working out and be a bit more ruthless. Because that that's kind of what we didn't do last time. We we took we brought people on, they didn't really fit in, we didn't really play see many snaps, but they kept on the roster. Well, we were saying 
last week it's so refreshing that this time you know this coming season our two senior corners i think are both nigh on vet min but can be really good whereas last year Trufont 9 million, Coleman 9 million, both cost a shed load to cut. It's nice to be in a situation where we're not pressured with these, you know, high priced guys who just are not working out whatsoever. I think it's quite nice that we're actually preserving a little bit of cap and, you know, with all the dead money we've got, we can be big spenders next year. I know it's, <laughs> it's far too early to be looking at September, October 2022, but there's something about this which, which, you know, looks at being measured, about not kind of throwing the kitchen sink at year one. There's a load of guys out there that are low risk, potential high reward. What if Dean Marlowe chucks out another year like he did last year? I mean, that's got to be better than Will Harris in, in any universe. <laughs> right, let's go through another couple of bits of news. It wasn't too much, but it did transpire that the Denver Broncos made a trade offer for Matthew Stafford. Reportedly, it was for pick nine, but they wanted pick 41 in return. Is this a joke, boys? Or do you really believe this was the deal? I can't believe this was a deal. If it was, it's a bigger joke than the amount of money that the Vikings paid Kirk Cousins, and that is a big joke to reach. <laughs> I think it was genuine, and the less said about it, the better, because it's pretty insulting. They didn't even offer Drew Locke, and they don't want him. I think the best you can say about this, it was a low ball. Yeah, yeah, I guess they knew that perhaps we were ready to move on from him or he was ready to move on from us and they were just testing to see whether there was really any other suitors out there perhaps. But it almost amounts to a pick swap. I know moving from 41 to 9 is a fair leap, but it's not a Matthew Stafford leap, especially when he was reported to be able to get a first rounder by himself. Nope. And it begs the question now, when you look at this offer, you realise the Rams, I think they really did overpay. I think they really paid through the roof because they wanted him that bad lane to offload Goff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So with that done, we have just one more bit of news, which is that I had a very exciting weekend. Don't know about you boys, um, but on Sunday, I... Had a nice little interview with an NFL player. I've been teasing it on Twitter. I've been teasing it on Facebook. And let me tell you, Facebook sometimes is a cesspool of negativity. And I do not like it sometimes. Some lovely people there. Maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the people just hitting the like button and moving on with their day. But a significant minority of people saying, jog on, son. And I was like, how many of you have actually ever talked to a real lion before? Like, I know that if you're... Jeremy Reisman or, or, or Jay Rears or someone like that, that you'll have talked to these guys fairly often. But I mean, I'm a common Joe, right? I know that, you know, you can go to a, a game and maybe you'll have a quick chat and maybe you'll even see one in a bar and, and buy him a pint or something. But it's, it's not that normal, right? Anyway, I had a chat with him. It was an awesome interview. It is now all cut together and it's ready to rock, but I'm going to tease it out for a while. And I've been trying to think of, of my day two kind of uh, way to hint at who it is without giving too much away early doors. Can anyone think of anything that isn't going to give too much away? I didn't prep anyone on this, but everything I think of is going to identify him far too quickly. Mm. Um, his... His name sounds a bit like somewhere where you would stay in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, it's, it's not a lie. It's not a lie. Right. <laughs> uh, that will drop, I'm imagining, probably about this time next week. If I'm feeling happy, I might do it this weekend. But we'll see what happens with that. Right. You ready for a mock draft, boys? Absolutely. No. No. No? Never. <laughs> All right, let's do it. We're going to do it snake style. So we're going to start at the top left of the spreadsheet with Ant. We're going to feed all the way through to Steve, and then Steve will take us through pick two. All right? Cool. Starting off with Ant, pick one. Trevor Lawrence, Jacksonville, 30 seconds, man. You go. Um, yeah, I think this is pretty easy for us all here. It's, it's not going to be anyone else. He's the best quarterback in the draft, Jacksonville need a quarterback although i still do like gardner Minshew quite a bit i hope he ends up somewhere good but yeah trevor lawrence all the way no no debate there all right i'll take the reins then for my pick one and that is also trevor lawrence as no debate for me he's the best quarterback there it's not that he's perfect but if you're taking anyone else i think you're just slightly mad i his his skills how he processes the game the touch the power he's got it all ryan Pick one is Trevor Lawrence. That's easy. This, it, it, a quarterback like him comes around very often. Doesn't I mean, doesn't come around very often. He is a natural ball winner, and he probably goes first in most of the last 10 plus drafts. You can't pass on him simply, but... All right. And finally, full house, Steve. Trevor Lawrence. Never in doubt. Um, apparently, Urban Meyer has been listening to the sound of the ball coming out of his hand. What more can I say? <laughs> apparently, he's been given the Jags playbook already, and he is prepping it. Like, they're not hiding this. They're not trying to play some silly game. He's the Jags quarterback. Like, he's already decided. It's not. It, no one else can mock anything else realistically, because it's happened. Well, they scheduled his first pro day early and they scheduled when his surgery was going to be what else can you say yeah yeah it's true right steve pick two um, Zach so, Wilson. yeah pick, pick two is Zach wilson um you know th this is a guy that i think everyone's got quite hot on particularly like in the last month um i saw his pro day um where you know he was pretty impressive um i think the the worry is that there's not that much um, film on him in terms of you know he's not played that many games and he's not had that much experience um, you know at, at the kind of level that some of the quarterbacks that have come through the draft have but you know the kid looks super talented um, he seems to be able to do you know a lot he's got a great arm and you know with, with Don I, I think this could have could have been in doubt it, had it not been the, the Darnold trade obviously you know that's given a massive hint as to, to, to what they're doing so I can't see it being anyone else but Zach Wilson all right Ryan you are up with Zach Wilson to the Jets yep like I say moving on there uh, Sam Darnold that pretty much tells you everything you need to know I think Zach Wilson has come out of nowhere he's taken an independent college like BYU and he's put a lot on his back and in the last year he made them relevant and it takes special players to do that for a guy bunch of guys that are relatively unknown he's got good arm strength and i think he is going to be the one that some people doubt but when you look at players that have not played too many games in college look at cam newton he had like one season 
Mitchell Trubisky. It's not it's not that common these days that people are willing to happily take a risk on a guy that's not that experienced. So I think he's a solid pick at number two. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Right, my turn. And it's Zach Wilson again to the Jets. This is a, a bit of a theme. Um, at the end of the day, probably the most accurate quarterback of any of them out there. As you say, not that experienced. BYU didn't exactly provide him with a particular challenge. I was listening to two for one drafts today. They were talking about the fact that he had a couple of questionable plays in the, the game against Coastal Carolina. He had a, a fourth and two right at the end of the game where he had an easy conversion to the tight end for the first down. Ended up trying to go for the touchdown to win it all. Missed it. Ball turned over. Lost game as a result and how his decision-making might not be quite all there yet. But it's part of the polishing process for me. He's the most accurate quarterback. He processes things well. He's fast as well. This guy is manoeuvrable. It's really, really impressive. Right. And you're up. Zach Wilson, yeah. full house for pick number two. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've literally made this pick because that's the consensus one going there. I'm still not sold on him being the second best quarterback in this class. I'm still of the belief that Justin Fields is better. Before this season, you know, there was no argument as to who was better out the two of them. I still think Fields is really good, but yeah, Wilson has been mocked there for ages now, and I think that's just a bit of a locked-in pick. So I'm just going to go with consensus on this one and not my head. All right, and then you can back it up with pick number three to San Francisco. Mac yes. Jones! Mac Jones is going to San Francisco at three. What are you thinking, Ant? Oh, I hate this pick. This will be the biggest reach in... Well, the biggest reach in recent draft history, for sure. He's not even a top 15 guy in my book. You all know how I feel about him. He's a good QB, but he's not a great one. But, you know, for me, the reason I've gone for this is just Vegas is backing him. And Vegas isn't going to put themselves in a situation where they're going to absolutely go to the moon on Jones and then lose a fortune on one of Fields or Lance going here instead. I still believe that Fields is much better. I believe that even Lance is probably a better prospect at this pick, but I'm just not going to go against the money on this one. I think there's a reason he's such a high favourite at the minute, and I think they're going to pull the trigger on it, and I think, as I say, it's going to be such a big reach, but you know, we like these things in the draft, so Matt Jones, number three. Reaches are good for Detroit, right? Oh, well, I mean, they're good if they're other teams. <laughs> uh, my pick at number three is Justin Fields. And I'm going against the money. As you've said, the money is on Mac Jones. God knows why, but I certainly don't. Justin Fields is the second best quarterback in the draft for me. And San Francisco moved up a huge way. And I do not believe that Shanahan is that close-minded. I do not think he goes in there thinking, I need to get someone who's perfectly suited for my scheme, even if they're limited. I think, um, I was listening to a podcast today, and it basically said, Mac Jones' ceiling with a good team is, you know, kind of Brady-esque in terms of just being able to put the ball where you want it to, shifts in the pocket slightly. But his flaw in a bad team is... Sorry, ceiling even is is top fifteen quarterback. That's the ceiling for him. So for that reason, Justin Fields is here. Terrific long ball, excellent runner, dynamic, exactly the sort of person you want to trade up for. So that's my pick three. Ryan, you are up with Mac Jones. Yeah, and this is the kind of guy 
if you trade up and take your risk and your reputation and your job on, if this goes badly, it could cost you uh, your GM position. But I think they are risky enough to move up and take him. Now, I do have my doubts about him. He's not the most agile when he gets under pressure, when he escapes out of the pocket. I don't know what he's going to be like. But as a pure pocket passer, when they give the guys like Kittle and Ayuk, if he can stand there and step up into the pocket, I think not necessarily strength-wise, but accuracy, I believe that you're going to get results out of him. So it's a it's a very big risk, but I think it's one potentially worth taking because he's also got a fair bit more experience than some of the guys ahead of him. He has been in a very successful Alabama team for a few years now, and they just have a habit of producing top-level talent. I don't like the pick necessarily, but I think they uh, might set their heart on him. All right, and Steve finishes us with Justin Fields. There is no way the 49ers are trading up for Mac Jones. Absolutely no way at all. So Justin Fields, you know, dual threat quarterback, doesn't throw many interceptions. Yeah, there's a couple of question marks about him in terms of, you know, he transferred from Georgia because he couldn't beat out Jake Fromm to the, the number one QB position. So he, he went to Ohio State, you know, Obviously, it excelled there. This, you know, I, I agree with Matt. This guy is the number two quarterback in the draft. And I do not believe that this 49ers are going to have given away so much draft capital to take Mac Jones when it's obvious that the top four, the top four QBs are Lawrence, Wilson, Fields, and Lance. Mac Jones is probably the consensus fifth QB. And I don't believe he would have gone before between picks eight and twelve. So why why risk all that draft capital to trade up so so heavily for someone like Matt Jones? I think this is very much Justin Fields. I think people are overthinking this pick, um, and that's why I, I've I've said you know it, it, it's not going to be Matt Jones. It's going to be Justin Fields. Just quickly to interject here. Very, very quickly, give me a number, including the quarterback premium. Where would you take Mac Jones? And where would you be comfortable? Draft position? Or... Yeah. Uh, where, where would you take him if you could pick anywhere, any position? Where do you think he should go? Um, cool. 15 to New England. That'd be the earliest slot. Steve? He's a classic Belichick quarterback. 15 to New England. He's a game manager. You know, he's a, a, a low risk passer. It, it's, but, you know, unfortunately, trades exist, and that's the, you know, that's the grenade under the table. Mm. Ryan, where would you pick him? Or what, what do you think his quality is then? I believe he's the next. He just, I look at him and I see Big Ben. So is it Steelers like 22? I think they are. Uh, 24, I think. 24. Yeah. Let's say between the Patriots and the Steelers, anywhere between there, I think he's spot on. Yeah, I, I I would be a little bit lower. I would say maybe the Saints. I think that the Saints would do very well with him. I think it would suit their offense, especially with Kamara. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, let's move on to pick number four. four. Where do we start? Uh, we're at Steve, aren't we? Okay. Trade. Denver Broncos pick Trey Lance at four. Yeah, so, you know, this is... This is the um, the random factor, isn't it? It's the trades, and 
there are several teams that I think are lower down in the draft that are desperately eyeing this pick for Atlanta. Um, Atlanta, I think, are, are locked into Matt Ryan for the next two or three seasons. You know, he's under contract. They're going to lose a lot of um, dead cap if um, anything happens to Ryan. Yeah, you could, you could, um, trade, you know, take take Trey Lance to Atlanta um, and sit him under Matt Ryan for a couple of years. But if you've got the number four pick, a new head coach, I just can't see them investing the number four pick in that. And I think Atlanta are desperate to trade out this pick because I think Atlanta's need is on defense. Um, because that's where they've been torched repeatedly over the, the, the past couple of seasons. So I can see them trading out, and I think they've got a few trade partners. I think the Bears would be interested. I think the Patriots would be interested. I think Washington would be interested. Um, and I, I can see all of those teams making phone calls, but I think Denver have kind of got the box seat because they don't have to trade up that, that far. I think Denver at nine... Um, yeah, you know, we know that John Elway is a quarterback whisperer, or you know, so he thinks. Um, not that he's whispered that much. Just made sense to Drew Locke. So I, I, I just see Elway fall in love with someone like Trey Lance and and making the trade and making it happen. Fair, fair. All right, Ryan. Justin Fields at four to Atlanta. Yeah, I agree with what Steve says in the fact that the I've spoken to Falcons fans and they think for the next two, three years they're, they're built into Ryan. On his day, well, average season, he's a top 10 quarterback. But I keep saying, you've got to have a backup plan. We don't know what happens if one serious injury, he may want to possibly lose a season and then their season's over. You've got to have someone, you've got to mould someone now. And I don't think I'll to wait when this is quite a quarterback heavy draft. So I think people talk about like Ohio State quarterbacks, like they don't do well in the NFL. That's crap. Like you don't don't give me that. Like Justin Fields has been proven that he can get past his first read. He's had some bad games, but I think now Atlanta should build for the future after Ryan. I know they can't trade him with like cap issues, they probably won't move on. But if anything happens to him, they need someone there to step in to take the air apparent now. Yeah, just to talk on that, Fields, I saw a stat recently which said that of all of the top four quarterbacks, he had the highest percentage of going to his second read and when doing so, the highest accuracy of any of the four quarterbacks, which when you think about giving his reputation just sounds like a smear campaign. Yep, it just proves, like you say, that people just give these stigmas that he only looked for his first read, which was Chris Olave, but he happily overlooked him every time. All right, I'm up. And I've made the whole thing black, which is useful. <laughs> and I'm going for a trade with New England for Trey Lance. Um, I am. I started off this process being a very big doubt of Trey Lance. And it's easy to see why you would be, I think. The number of games he's played, the competition he's faced. It just doesn't add up to someone who you can rely on in year one. But he's not a year one pick. They have got Cam Newton in New England. That's a day one starter. But if you have a look at what Trey Lance can do with a ball, you have a look at what he can do with his legs. And if you have heard anything about him, if you haven't heard this about him, he his preparation, his intelligence is second to none. He lives for football, apparently. He will go home. He will just study it all the time. 
And then when he goes out onto the field, apparently when he was a designated runner, he would be calling his own protections instead of the centre. I mean, at, at, at the college level, I don't think I know of someone who can do it quite so easily. Now, it's going to be much harder in the pros, but this is someone that I would actually consider trading up for myself. New England are a good situation. I actually think that they're willing to overpay how much they've chucked into free agency this year. In the next couple of years, they need to be winning. And who better than a dual-threat quarterback to teach a dual-threat quarterback? And is, he a, is he a Bill Belichick quarterback, though? I think that Cam Newton is not a Belichick quarterback either. And yet he has embraced him with open arms. I think that Belichick is tars with the legacy of Tom Brady. As much as Tom Brady was, uh, was you know, tainted with the legacy of, of Belichick as well. So, this is the same with free agency, right? The lure of Brady was such that they could get players for cheap because we're going to win a title, so you will take less money. Brady isn't there anymore. They go and spend a huge amount in free agency. It's the first time they had to. Cam Newton comes in, Trey Lance could come in, they've been used to Brady, but that doesn't mean that he won't do it with another style of quarterback, it's just that Brady's been so good he's never had to before. I, I just think there's, there's probably less tape on Trey Lance than there is the other quarterbacks, and I'm just not sure that Belichick's that, that kind of like gambler. Might only have a couple of years left, and I reckon the gamble of leaving him in the best position like that. I don't know, I, I think that Trey Lance has the highest ceiling of any of the four quarterbacks on the table, including Lawrence. I believe in him that much. Ooh, this is big chat. I, think... I agree with that. He has got the highest ceiling. And the way I look at it is, the NFL is changing. Pocket passes are outdated. The future of the NFL is quarterbacks like Kyler Murray. You've got to be able to do it while on the run and on your back foot, throwing off or rolling out to left or right. So I think Trey Lance has got the highest ceiling too. Justin Fields has done it against superior opposition. Yeah, you know, correct. Trey Lance has never been tested in his life. Well, I'm not saying that, that's untrue, but the step up in quality is huge. And Justin Fields has done it at a good level. I completely he's agree. He's I, I, a dual threat guy. He's better at dual threat, plain and simple. I think it's hard to say that he's better. I think part of me saying that he has the highest ceiling is that it's the I don't know factor of it. I've seen the traits from him that I want to see. Whether he can do it consistently at that level, I don't know. And so the, the uncertainty widens the spread of where he might be. So he has the lowest lowest floor as well, by far. But, I mean, he could be the best. He, I, I think he could be Mahomes level. I really do. I Just because I don't know. But from what I've seen of him, he's electric as a runner. I mean, he, he sells it really well as well. If you have a look at him in, in, um, in the options and, and whatever that he runs, I actually find it quite hard to pick what he's going to do, even though he's beaten the off uh, defences in front of him easily, and he doesn't need to disguise it as much as he does. So, I don't well, know, I'm just pleased with what level of op Level of opposition you've got to take into account as well. That's true, that's true. Anyway, let's move yeah. on. And your fourth pick, another trade, Denver for Justin Fields this time. Yeah, so this move is based entirely on my guess that the 49ers go Mac Jones. So if Lawrence has gone, Wilson's gone, Jones goes there. And if you've got Justin Fields sat at four, the Broncos are in a situation where if they trade up to get a quarterback, they're giving up on Drew Locke entirely. It's not going to be a situation where they're going to have him play a year 
and flood someone in. They're going to need someone who's NFL ready. It's not Trey Lance. He's not close to being NFL ready yet. Justin Fields is. So if Justin Fields is sat there at four, I think the Broncos are going to send the house to the Falcons, get Fields, dispense with Drew Locke, and you know, start a new future there for themselves. I think they'd be delighted if Fields is still there at four because Matt Jones has gone. And yeah, I just I think that move just makes a lot of sense. He's NFL ready to go, and then they can spend the rest of the picks building a team around him. We've all picked four quarterbacks to go in the first four picks. It's never happened before, and we all are predicting it will happen in some order or another. So that's quite fun, right? And pick number five is. Penai Sewell to Cincinnati at five. Someone needs to go to jail if <laughs> they don't select Penai Sewell. Joe Burrow, the poor lad, got absolutely, you know, just chased the kingdom come last year. They had no offensive line whatsoever, and it took them 11 games to kill him. The injury he got was huge, and they've got to invest in him now. I've seen Bengals fans saying, oh, yeah, but the offensive tackle class is deep, and that may be true, but it's not deep to the level of p Sewell, who is just simply one of the best tackle prospects to come out in a draft in years. I know they say that left tackle's technically their strongest area, but do not pass on him. I know it's fancy to go and get Jamar Chase and give Burrow a weapon, but if he's getting run down all over the place and injured, it's not going to matter how many weapons he's got. You've got to go tackle for this, and for that you've got to take Saul. For me, it's easy. If they pass on this, it's just gross negligence. <laughs> I think he's going to be renamed um, Burrow the poor lad if they don't take tackle. And for that reason, my pick is Payne, Payne Seal. Um He is possibly the best non-quarterback prospect to come out in the draft in the last five years. I completely agree with, with Ant on that point. And there are flashier picks, but you, you can't beat a good offensive tackle. Put him at right tackle if you have to, but he is the man. Take him. Don't overthink this. Ryan, your pick number five is also Sewell. Yep, that's pretty easy. What's the first thing you do when you buy a car? You insure it don't you? They get its own protection. Joe Burrow is a high-end car, and last year he was not protected, and it it's remains to be seen how well he's going to recover and rehab from his injury. Like, it's not always guaranteed. So what you need to do now is next season is you have to protect him. And left tackle, where you presume he's going to play, is the blind side. It's the most important spot. So if they choose to pass on him, I pray, I am. I'm praying for Joe Burrow because he's going to need some help if they pass on him. So what you're saying is he wouldn't go for the neon undercar lights of Jamar Chase? No, oh. I'd go for the uh, I'd go for the Aviva, whatever cover insurance. Oh, oh, we got to get an American one in there. Um, state Farm. State Farm. There's your State Farm deal. Nationwide is on your side. Um... <laughs> oh, he's singing now. Oh, well, that's still like strangling a cat. Anyway, this Steve. Pick, this pick's easier than Trevor Lawrence, to be honest, I think. Well, full house yeah. for pick number five, Steve. Yeah, I've gone for Sewell as well. Um, I was listening to Carl Krabs, the draft an- uh, network guy on the um, DLP, and he was saying that Slater is actually probably a more rounded tackle at the moment, um, but he's a year, 18 months ahead in development. Sewell is super... Um, 
you know, high ceiling and has got so much potential because he's already a monster. Um, you've got to keep Boa alive. There's no point taking Boa last year with a number one pick and then letting him get banged up after a few games. You've got to keep him on his feet. Saul will be that guy. Just like you said, let's not overthink this. It's Penny Sewell. Take Penny Sewell. Right. Number six. No surprises. I think Steve Jamar Chase to Miami. Yeah, um, this is like probably the first pick where I was like really conflicted um, in terms of what Miami were going to do. Um, I think there's a possibility they take Carl Pitts um, because I think their next best tight end option is Mike Gesicki, which isn't that great an option. Um, I, I just think that Chase is possibly someone who is going to give Tua a lot more um, options in terms of a bit more separation um, than Pitts. Um, I think this is a toss-up, and I think this pick has a massive impact on on the Lions because I think this is where um, you know we could possibly lose the player that we want to go for. To uh, I, th- I think that the top five is fairly predictable, bar you know Atlanta um, not taking a trade or Atlanta maybe going for Chase or Pitts. But I, I, I just think that the Dolphins will give Tua some ammunition, and I think Chase is the best receiver. Or, you know, Waddle and Smith have got their you know strong points, but I think Chase is the guy for them. All right, Ryan, you have also gone for Jamar Chase. Yeah, for me this was pretty easy. In college, he was he was outstanding. He he basically, I think, pretty much single handedly won that that national championship for last year. I think he's going to come into the league and he's going to be Justin Jefferson 2.0. You're going to immediately make him favourite for the uh, offensive rookie of the year. The question you've got to ask yourself is, if you're trying to win a division, is Devontae Parker the guy that's going to help you do it as your number one? And the, question, the answer is, absolutely not, no. He's like a wide receiver two at best. So this was an easy choice for me. Upgrade, get a guy on the outside. It's not even known fact. Tua is going to be the guy, but the simple fact is you have to put him in the best position to win, and this is it. All right, my turn, and this is getting predictable, but I've gone for Jamar Chase as well. I think they should go carpets. I would go carpets in their position. I think that you line up anywhere, including in line, and he gets it done. And I do think that the wide receivers are good enough to do that. I worry about Tua and his ability to get the ball out to the wide receivers deep. And so I want to give him someone in line who is an absolute game wrecker. But I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to take Chase. It's a highly rumoured pick if he falls to six and Cincinnati don't take him at five. And it's not much of a drop-off for me from Pitts, but Pitts is the best non-quarterback in the draft apart from Sewell. Can you see see Miami trading out of this pick, Matt? Depends how the board falls. I think they've done it so that they can if someone falls. If if there's a scenario where Atlanta take Pitts and Sewell goes at five and Fields or Lance is available because Jones has gone three, I can see Miami trading out so that Washington can get Fields and Miami have all the picks. Just all the picks. Um, I, I think they've done it for flexibility. I think they've identified a weak spot in the draft 
where Philadelphia were, and it gives them a lot of flexibility. But no, I think they went up there to get Chase or Pitts, and they just choose one of them, right? And you have done that and taken Car Pitts. Um, yeah, I have, and there's two big reasons for me thinking that Pitts is going to be the one they go with. I mean, first is Brian Flores, and now you think Flores is a long-time Patriots coach. He was there during the glorious. He saw the value of what a Rob Gronkowski tight end does to a team, the weapons it gives you, the dynamic you can build with a player like him in the team. And I think he's going to see a guy like Kyle Pitts and maybe see his Rob Gronkowski there now. He's not one of those coaches who's gone away and taken the bad Patriots lessons with him. He's taken his own style and he's revolutionized Miami. And I think you've got Pitts there who's more of a modern quarterback, but he can still block. He's a great red zone threat. And I think he makes logical sense from Flores's point of view. But also, you've got to look at their needs. Now, you say, is it ch you know, Chase or Pitts? I mean... There's a huge drop-off at tight end after Pitts. If you're looking at it that way, you can take an elite tight end now and you can still get an elite wide receiver in the second round or maybe with pick 18. Because don't forget, the Dolphins have another pick in the first round. So I'd, if I'm him, I'm going with the elite tight end and I'm still getting an elite wide receiver. If you go with Chase, the drop-off is huge to your, your Pat Freer moves might not even be a second round tight end to be fair so for me it just makes all the sense in the world that they go with Pitts and thankfully in that case it takes the option of us taking him off the table as well so it's a double win <laughs> right so you've taken him off the table and with the seventh pick in the NFL draft Ant says the Detroit Lions select Trey Lance no the Patriots in a trade take yes. Trey Lance. So again, this is going off the top four dynamic here. Obviously, Jones goes three, Fields goes four, and that means we're left with Trey Lance. Obviously, the Bengals and the Dolphins aren't going to take a quarterback, so I think the next pressure point is really seven. Because obviously, um, Denver's out the way on this occasion, so there's, they're in front of all their major competitors there. So I think they're going to, I think they do need a quarterback. And in Trey Lance's case, I think they'll roll with Cam Newton this year. It gives Trey Lance a year to sit and learn because they are similar type QBs. They are dual threat guys. And I think Belichick, I, I, I don't think he's. it's gone unnoticed with him that dual threat is the way to go. It's just he's had Brady for so long. I think the idea with Cam was to try and start going dual threat. And I think he'll get someone in who Cam can groom to take that dual threat role. And I think Lance will be their guy going forward. I just, I disagree that they'll go all the way to four to get him. I think that's a stretch and it's going to cost a hell of a lot more than it is with us. But I think from Detroit's sense, you know, going back to 15, that makes sense. We'll pick up an extra third or a second maybe, which is good. The Patriots get the QB they need. So I feel like, you know, that's the top five gone and that's how it's going to land, providing Jones goes third. Just to come back on that point, the reason I've got them going to four is because Mac Jones doesn't go to San Francisco at three and they're worried that yeah. he's going to be lost to them yeah. and he's desperate for him. I think I think Belichick looks at Lance and goes, that is my guy. Yeah, I think, it, like you say, it's just a case of where the other QBs land with us. But I think I agree with you. He will want him. I think he does realise that dual threat is the way to go now. It's just it's the first time he's ever had to do it. 
All right, my turn. And the Detroit Lions are pick seven. Pick. Ant's favourite player, tight end Carl Pitts. Oh dear. No, if you've got a bucket, you're right. <laughs> no, no, I am receptive to other opinions. Don't, don't worry, it's just not my own. Take... Ant, you okay? <laughs> I'm fine. The non-quarterbacks in this for me, and I've said it before, it goes Sewell and then it goes Pitts. Pitts is the best player available at seven for Detroit in my mock. It's just fallen that way. I didn't go out set to pick him. If there was one of the top four quarterbacks up there, I would probably take them, especially if it was Trey Lance, because I think that allows Goff the time he needs to actually shine without putting any pressure on him. And we can just see what, what Fields is like, uh, what Lance is like. But Lance is gone. Pitts is the best there. He can line up in line. He can line up on the outside. He is a tenth of a second slower than Megatron, but taller. The leap isn't quite there compared to him, but he is a game wrecker in his own right. And we need that. We need a premier wide receiver, a big body guy who can bully people. That's Carl Pitts for me. Ryan, trade. Washington take Trey Lance at seven. Yeah, I thought about sitting here, but then I think about it. Detroit right now, on that defense, we've got a lot of holes. So I just thought, conserve picks, move back, and Washington have got capital. So ideally, I'd ask for that. I want their next year's first to go down to 19 and a second round pick. And Washington, the way I look at it is they've got capital to work with and they need a quarterback. Alex Smith is gone. The Dwayne Haskins experiment didn't work. But they've got the wide receivers to work with. They just need a, a, a mobile guy. And I think they're willing to take the risk to throw Trey Lance in at the deep end. So I think at 19, I think they're willing to give him a go. You either sink or you swim. And I think that's the environment he needs to be in. So I, I moved back. Would you, would you start him over Fitz? I wouldn't start him, no, but I would, with an extra game this year, I would certainly play him. I'm going to give him the, depending on where they are, if they're in the conference race, but if not, I'm going to give him the last few games of the season regardless, because I just think you got to break him in, really. Fair. All right, Steve, last up. I like you, man. Kyle Pitts at seven to Detroit. Yeah, so let, let me tee this up a bit. Um, so first of all, in, in my mark, I've got, top four QBs going in the top four picks. So Lawrence, Wilson, Fields and then Broncos trading up for Lance at four. So um, you know, those QBs are all gone. So I, I think that kind of takes the trade off the board because I don't think we're going to take a QB and I think everyone knows that, you know, we've traded Goff for Stafford and we're going to give Goff probably a season and a half before we, we absolutely make a decision in terms of his contract. So I think we are going to take a skill player. Cast your mind back to MCDC's first interview when he came and he was talking about his um, football tactics, his kind of like um, the way that he likes to play. And he said, we put our strongest against their weakest. That's what he said in that opening interview. And for me, that's the breadcrumb that he's going to go with a guy like Pitts because he wants to create those, you know, those mismatches and he wants to create that havoc at the line of scrimmage 
you know, he can see what Kettle can do for the 49ers. He can see what a disruptor Kelsey is. And I think that's why um, we're going to take Kyle Pitts at number seven because he is that genuine disruptor and that will fit in very much with um, with Dan Campbell's plans. No argument from me. Right, you're next up as well. We're number eight for Carolina and Patrick Sertain. Yeah, so first defensive player off the board. Um, you know, the the Panthers have been pretty weak on defense ever since, um, you know, they lost um, Coochley. And I think there's, their backfield is just not... Um, when you think about the division they play in, um, you know they they get, they need major help in the back in the backfield. Um, Certain's the guy, you know, absolutely quality athlete, um, you know, a playmaker, a ball hawk. Um, it's pretty obvious, you know, with the Donald trade, um, you know, where where, the, where they're looking, and and I think that um, yeah, first first defensive player off the board at number eight. All right, Ryan, number eight, Carl Pitts to Carolina. Yeah. yeah, some people might think I'm crazy for watching him drop this far. And realistically, it might not do. But when you look at Carolina, am I right in thinking they, I think they drafted every like defensive player last year? The way I see it is, what have you got now? You've got your quarterback potential of the future. You've got Curtis Samuel. You've got DJ Moore. So you've got your outside sorted. But your inside is where it needs help. So I've gone Kyle Pitts because what? who is the quarterback's best friend for me? It's a tight end. You need a safety blanket. I think they signed, I think signed Dan Arnold. I think they did. Mm. So yeah, I think you're right. You know, he's an okay guy. I'm going to have him blocking and releasing. But Kyle Pitts, like I say, he could be the kind of guy that changes the tight end position for general. So I think he has to be taken there. He's probably not going to fall that far, to be honest. I think I've been generous and gave him at eight, but if he's there, he will help Sam Darnold hugely. Just for those of you on Twitch, or for the benefit of those of you not watching on Twitch, we just got treated to a lovely picture of Steve in his table tennis gear. Love it. Love it. Right. <laughs> I'm going now at number eight to Carolina, and I'm going with what I think is the common sense pick here, and it's Rashawn Slater. Um, second tackle off the board. Carolina need to give Sam Darnold a break. And apart from a quarterback's best friend being a tight end, the quarterback's best friend is also an offensive tackle. <laughs> you need to keep him safe. And Carolina's offensive line is not the strongest out there. Slater's probably, for me, the best offensive player left on the board. I was tempted to go defense, but I think the consensus now for Carolina is that they move back or they take a tackle, depending on how the ball falls. But we'll see what happens. And you're also taking Slater. Yeah, I'm fully in agreement with you here. I mean, the Panthers are now going to have a lot of second-year guys on that defense who are maturing, who are getting better. And, you know, they've got other picks in this draft if they want to go and spend on defense again. But you've gone out and you've spent on Sam Darnold. You've spent what some consider to be quite a lot on Sam Darnold. What is the point in bringing him all the way out from New York where he very rarely had an offensive line to help him stay upright. What is the point in bringing him all that way if you're just going to dump him in exactly the same situation? You know, the Panthers' O-line gave up well over 30 sacks last year. It's a lot. 
they need to improve there. They need to keep Donald upright because by getting him, you're saying, right, we want to win now. We want to do better now. And Slater, as you've already said, is the second best tackle in the draft. So it just makes complete and utter sense that they go tackle to protect Donald, and I don't see them going anywhere else. Mm. All right, Denver at nine for you is a trade to the Atlanta Falcons for Jamar Chase, four to nine, and Chase falls all the way to nine. Well, see, in this situation, you look at who's gone before him. You've gone the five quarterbacks. You've gone Sewell, who's generational. You've gone Pitts, who's generational. And you've gone Slater, who's a really good offensive tackle in his own right. I don't think the Panthers really have a need for another receiver there just yet. And I know that's going to sound contradictory, saying I've sent him to Atlanta. But if Atlanta trade out of pick number four, then that says to me that they want to win now under Matt Ryan. And they're going to get a haul for pick four. They're going to get a lot of picks. So they can now afford to be a little more, you know, if they want to go at nine, have a bit of a luxury pick, get another weapon to go with Calvin Ridley, to go with Julio Jones, to go with that feared offense there, you go and get Chase as well. Then, good God, you've got one of the best sets of receivers in the league right then and there. And you've got extra picks later in the draft to fill all your other holes up. I think if you're going to get a haul, they're going to go for a nice luxury pick there because, as I say, receivers not big on their board. But that's what I'd do if I were them. I'd just go and get the best receiver in the class and then fix my holes later on. But I would not want to go up against that Falcons offense with is Chase it, in it as well. It's a little part of you looking to the future there for Atlanta as well and saying Julio isn't going to be here forever, but let's get someone equally as, as well, physically, what well, possibly as physically imposing. Well, Julio's on the same timeline as Ryan, really. I think they've both got two, maybe three years left if at their best there. So I think, you know, if you're not going QB, then you're going all in on them now. So just give them the weapons now and let them go for it. Fair enough. While Julio's in his prime, Ridley had an amazing year last year and hopefully is in my fantasy football team again this year. You put Chase with them, then Jesus. Mm. They have the potential to do a lot of damage. So that's where I'm going with number nine. All right, I'm up. Denver need a quarterback. The best quarterback is Mac Jones. He is a big upgrade on Drew Locke. And I don't mean to sound too disparaging on Drew Locke because I think Drew Locke is probably one of the more exciting quarterbacks out there. He he is like Jameis Winston with slightly less talent. He'll go out there and he'll throw you like... He'll throw you like... 25 touchdowns for 30 interceptions instead of 30 for 30 and you know what you're never going to go away from that game thinking well that was boring but I don't think Locke I just think he's an able backup quarterback Mac Jones is going to go out there and he's going to put the ball where it needs to be in the short to medium range and he's going to do it very very smartly and Denver have the offense to go right now and I think Mac Jones is the way to do that I don't think they'd be particularly pleased with the pick especially the fans but I think it advances them a long way and it cuts out a lot of the mistakes that I think they've been making so far. Is Mac Jones an upgrade on Drew Locke, really? No, I don't think so. A significant one? Not to, not, to pick, not to put number nine pick on. Not to put your first round on. Not with all the other four that have gone. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they want anyone but him. 
at the top five. I think they'll be apps. I think Denver, if they don't trade up, will be the ones singing from the rooftops if Mac Jones goes at three because it puts them in the conversation to get the quarterback they actually want far more cheaply. But I think a part of them wants to see where the board goes because as much as that offense is good and that defense is excellent, I do not think that if they sell the farm right here to get the one that they want, that that puts them in championship mode. And that means I think they need to let the board fall to them and hope for the best in terms of quarterback because I don't think they've got it right now. If they, in some vain were able to get fields but to do it they had to give up pick one two and one next year i think for two years they get close but no cigar so we'll see anyway ryan you're up with patrick Satain at nine to denver i think this is pretty easy when i look at denver i think who's gone aj boyer champ bailey akib talib bradley they're all gone those anchors of the outside of that defense are gone Right now, I look at their cornerback depth, and it does not fill you with much confidence. They've been they've heavily given Justin Simmons the money he deserves in the centre, but you can't rely on safety to do everything. You've got to be able to rely on two outside guys. I've seen certain as a pro comparison to I think Marlon Humphrey, and for me, that is a big that's a big comparison to make to someone that's not even taken a snap yet in the NFL. So I think you've got to give him. They need a lockdown corner. Defense is key in Denver because they're known as a defensive team for years now it's been the defense that has kept them in games and right now it needs investing in and they need help outside can't argue with that I don't think all right Steve you've got a trade for New England for Mac Jones yeah so so B minus for your pick Matt because you were almost right it is Mac Jones the number nine pick the, w the way I see it happening is Denver have traded up to four for Trey Lance. So Denver has sorted and, and Atlanta are sitting in the number nine position. I just don't, I, I completely understand Ant's logic in terms of how he's talked about them taking Chase, best player on the board. But I just think with Jones and Ridley in that wide receiver core, the, the Falcons are screaming out for a defender. And I think the defenders that they want, they don't need to spend the number nine pick on. So I'm having the Falcons as trading back for the second time, this time with the Patriots, because I think the Patriots will will move up from 15 to 9. It's not quite as big a reach as moving into the top five. I think Mac Jones is a classic Belichick game manager type quarterback. Low risk. Um, he, he's not got the biggest arm. Um, but, you know, it, it, he's he's clearly got a lot of ability and I think that that pick makes real sense for New England and and I can see the, the Falcons just wanting more more capital. I wonder how how many times in NFL history the same team has traded out of a top 10 pick twice. That's a very good question. If only I'd have researched that. I wonder if it's ever happened. Just, I, just, I, I think it could happen here. Your situation is very, very plausible. Well, technically, if the Dolphins did it again, then they'd have done it twice. <laughs> That's true. That is very, very true. Right, Steve, you're up again. Dallas at 10. And they're taking yeah. JC Horn. They're taking JC Horn. Um, but as we all know, um, you know, the Cowboys are that, that flash cousin with, a, you know, with the, uh, the shiny motor. 
And, you know, I suspect that they will take an offensive player, particularly if, say, like Devonta Smith is still on the board. Um, because I just think Jerry Jones can't help himself. Um, however, you know, if, if you've watched the Cowboys in the last couple of seasons, oh my God, they are desperate for some help in the backfield. Um, you know, JC Horn, he's the guy, he's, uh, he's come from South Carolina. Um, you know, this guy's an absolute banger. He's, pay, he's playing in that bear pit of the SEC, you know, and he's uh, it, very physical at the line of scrimmage. He's got decent speed. I think after certain he is the best um, back, you know, defensive back available. And I, I think that the Cowboys absolutely should take him if the, if they want to stop throwing games away. If Farley hadn't got injured with his back, would you have been tempted to go there? I think it's a I think it's a coin flip between the two of them. I, I think they've, they've both got got quality. So I, I just think Horn is probably just because of that experience, you know, playing against, you know, like the likes of Alabama and LSU, you know, he's had that top end experience in at college and I, I think that will do him do him well in the NFL. I think he could be a, like a, a first year starter. I, whereas like Akuda, I know Akuda's had his physical issues, but you know, hopefully Akuda's going to come good in year two or three, but I think Horn could go into the Cowboys and start you know, start in in the first few games. I agree with you, Steve. I think Horn's cornerback two in this draft now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right, Ryan, you're also going JC Horn. I think JC Horn is cornerback number one, but I don't think someone's going to be brave enough to take him as the first cornerback. I agree with Steve. The SEC, iron sharpens iron. If you play in the best division in football on defense, you learn quicker. And you have to deal with a lot more NFL caliber players. I per- I personally think, I think JC Horn is going to step in day one starter, but someone's going to be lining up opposite him. I think he is going to dramatically change that defense because he is incredibly physical. He comes down hard. He's great at the line of scrimmage. He's got strength and he tested really well. I I wanted to put him across ahead of certain, but I don't know who's going to be brave enough to take him there because. Consensus say certain's best, but no, I'm all for a JC Horn. This, this, this has got to be the pick for me. They've taken defensive backs in the past and it's not worked, but I think this this one's going to work just fine. All right, I'm up. I'm also taking a cornerback, but it's Patrick Sertain to Dallas. I'm tempted by Horn as well, but Sertain, I think, is the consensus number one quarterback, despite what Ryan's just said and made a very good case for it, but I think that he's the most pro-ready cornerback, and the reason I think so is I think that when you're up against some of the best wide receivers in this league, that you have to be able to compete without being too aggressive, that you use your aggression selectively to impact the play. So especially when you're playing the run at corner that you can come down and hit hard and actually JC Horn is probably better at that than certain. But Horn also is, I think, going to commit an exceedingly high number of pass interference penalties at the pro level in his first year. I think that certain is going to give you a very, very similar level of quality without the downside of having to learn it too quickly he's a very very handsy cornerback is jc horn and i see that being a problem for him so they take certain um i've kind of gone with a consensus mock on this one as much as anything i think this is where the the media thing is going to go and i i, I agree 
And I you're also taking... Sorry? I think that's fair because you can get calls for pass interference a lot more in the NFL. In college, they will let people play. It's not thrown as easily, but if he's going to drape all over a guy in hands, he's going to quickly get pulled out and someone put in if he's giving away too many fouls. Mm. You've also gone Sertain, Ant. Yeah, so when you think of the Dallas Cowboys last year, um, obviously it was a bit of a rough year, but they had three big issues. Obviously the first one was at quarterback. Dak got absolutely ruined. Um, but he's back this year. He's earning Scrooge McDuck money now. He's he's minted and he's going to be back and as good as ever. Um, <laughs> the second problem you had was the offensive line. Just didn't work. You know, there were so many injuries on that offensive line that it affected the quarterbacks who came in after. Dalton got concussed. Danucci got destroyed. And Ezekiel Elliott, as a result, again, one in my fantasy team who did bugger all, couldn't add no running lanes or anything. It just was disrupted the entire flow of their offense. But again, injuries, the guys are back this year, so it's not as big a need as some might think. The third problem was the secondary. The secondary was really, really poor last year. They conceded so many points. You know, teams just going deep on them, just melting through that secondary, and they need help there. So you've got to look at cornerback, and you've got to look for the best corner in the draft. And because Denver have gone up for a quarterback, they're the only team likely to go corner before him, I reckon. So it's got to be certain. I think he is cornerback one in this draft. That's not saying anything against J.C. Horn. I love J.C. Horn. I think he's a hell of a player. His pro day just showed how good he is as well. But for me, just certain beats him out ever so slightly for this one but I wouldn't be surprised if it's either of them but as you know we've all gone for corner I think we've all seen where the problem is I think it's just a difference of who we've let go off the board at this point question yeah. is it seems so obvious to us but is Jerry Jones seeing it that way and that that's I think what everyone's worry is looking at the you know consensus pick is there a consensus pick for Dallas when Jerry Jones is involved yeah, it's see. I was really. I saw that article earlier in the week saying how infatuated he is with Pitts, and I was really playing with the idea that if Chase and Sewell went at five and six, and Pitts lands on us at seven, would he try and trade up from ten to seven with us? Because obviously, I wanted to get to nine or ten for Micah Parsons, and I really strongly considered that. And I think it's something he may well do, but I, I've just yeah. It does seem a little outlandish, I guess, maybe, but he could do it. I'm not sure. How much... Sorry. No, go on. No, I was going to say, how much do you guys think Dallas's problems in the secondary last year was down to having a defensive coordinator who hadn't been in the league for the last decade in Mike Nolan, compared to having someone like Dan Quinn in now? I think there were still problems there. They conceded a lot of points. And Mike McCarthy has, you know, he's a meant to be more of a defensive coach as well so I, th I think they really need back up there and I think Certain just makes an absolute world of sense for them I mean Mike, Mike Nolan's Mike a dinosaur McCarthy is a dinosaur I mean there's so many problems and, and I don't know if anyone saw um, the, the Vegas odds for like wins came out for uh, win predictions for each um, division and um, the bookies have got the Cowboys with the most projected wins in the NFC East again. And it's it, talk about Kool-Aid being drunk. Um, no chance. No chance that Dallas going to win more games next year than Washington. 
unless Washington make a complete arse of their draft. Or Dallas have an exceptional draft. Okay, let me ask you this. Who has the best offense in, in that division? Cowboys. By a long shot. Now that Jack's oh. back. Although Saquon Barkley's back next season and Kelly Golladay's playing for the Giants. They're going to improve. I want to say I want to say the Giants, but I can't because of quarterbacks. I've got to say Cowboys. My argument is that, you know, defence is going to get Washington there, but I really do think that the Cowboys, if they smash their draft and take sensible picks on defence, are going to be up there. I don't think it's as preposterous as, as you think Vegas makes it. But there well, we let's go. This way. How, many, how many teams can boast having better wide receivers than C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup? I don't think there's many. Absolutely. Many or indeed any until the draft, at least. All right, the Giants for Ant at 11. Micah Parsons at linebacker. Oh, this one hurts because I want him so badly, but the draft doesn't fall that way, unfortunately. Um, I can feel your pain, man, in your voice. I know, I know. It's, it's terrible. But I think you look at the Giants and they do have a decent offense there. I still think Jones is going to come good eventually. I think if they improve the offensive line a bit. He's got weapons. I think defense is where they've got to look at. And I've made no secret as to how highly I value Micah Parsons. He's got the best grades of any linebacker prospect coming out of the draft since Luke Keithley. And you know how good Luke Keithley was. I think he can be that much of a game changer. And I think the Giants, if he falls to them at 11, they'll snap him up straight away. He makes absolute sense. He's going to be an instant leader there. He's immediately going to upgrade their current linebacker core, which is not the greatest in the world. And yeah, for me, just a sensible pick for them. And that'll put them, that'll do them very well for the future. So what you're saying is that on the depth chart at the moment per ESPN, they've got Reggie Ragland as left inside linebacker one. What you're saying is they could replace Reggie Ragland with Micah Parsons. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I just thought that was fun. <laughs> Parsons, Parsons could be an instant starter wherever he goes, and you know I want it to be the Lions. But just in terms of this mock draft and how it's landed, unfortunately he doesn't slip to fifteen to us. Giants really need a linebacker, and he's by far and away the best guy in this class at linebacker, in All my right. opinion. All right, my turn, and the Giants select Devonte Smith. I think that this is a guy that if he actually manages to stay on the field, he will be one of the steals of this year's draft. He is, by talent alone, probably my wide receiver one. But the the floor of his is, is lowered so much by my fear that he will suffer catastrophic injury, which I've spoken about before. I think the Giants see the upside I think they think, okay, we've got Kenny Golladay and we've got Sterling Shepard. Slayton is a good wide receiver three, but with Devonta Smith, they can have two wide receiver ones and a wide receiver two in their base three wide receiver set, along with Evan Ingram at tight end. If you think that Daniel Jones is a weakness, give him weapons. I, 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 that defense is going to have to run with it. But the thing is, last year, the defense wasn't the chance problem. The defence for the Giants, actually, in the second half of the year was very, very good. And I think that gets underrated. There are holes at linebacker. 
but we all know that linebacker is probably the least valued position in the whole of the defense apart from maybe defensive tackle. So take a luxury pick and try and make it work with Jones. And if it doesn't work with Jones this season, I'd say pack your bags, mate, you're off. All I'd say for you for that is they've got Golladay, Ross, Slayton and Shepard there already. And he's he's providing them something they don't have, I think. His skill set. Mm. Anyway, I think it's I think it's a very good value pick and yet somehow a reach because of his flaw, but you know, never mind. Anyway, Ryan, you are going for Micah Parsons as well. I am, and everyone knows how high I've been on him for so long. And all people do on social media and Twitter is tell me how the Lions don't rate out off-the-ball linebacker as a, as a position, so they're not willing to reach for it. So he slid. Now, when I look at the Giants, yeah, they've got Blake Martinez. He might tackle 130, 140 times a season. But he doesn't do what else. Any guy can just be there and meet someone in the hole. I've played defense. I'm five foot nine. I can tackle people. But he doesn't do what else. What they need is a guy that can do it all. And he can play off the edge. He can play in the middle. He has shown he is ridiculously athletic. He has got length. He's got the speed. He can do it all. And I think this is a position where where you look at his... I'm not even going to call them off the field issues because they've been addressed. Yeah, there was a bit of hazing. They've never bothered me that too much. But I think he's an instant starter. And I think he's a consensus linebacker number one. So I think he's an instant upgrade and he's going to go straight to the middle. And yeah, he might even take some of Reggie Ragland snaps. Oh no, the poor former Lion. <laughs> right, Steve, you are going with. Yeah, so. I'm I mean, your one out. <laughs> just dry those tears for a sec, Ant, because Parsons is one of those players that the Lions could trade back for. I can't see it happening purely because I think at seven there are so many quality skill players available and I think our need at wide receiver with Goff in his first season, with Golladay gone, with Jones gone, I just think that we're going to take a pass catcher. And when I say pass catcher, that could be a tight end in pits or it could be Chase. But for me, Parsons is the, the pick that... It makes sense for the Giants. I think um, they do have have some need on the offensive line. Daniel Jones isn't the most mobile, and he did take a lot, a lot of punishment last season. Um, but I think also the Giants have got big needs on defense as well, both at edge and linebacker. And I think you know Parsons is the guy. So I'm I've gone with Parsons. Fair, fair. Yeah, for sure. I think. Like you said, it's either linebacker or edge, and I don't think any of the edges are good enough to go 11. No, agreed. Right, Philly at 12. Steve, you're up, and it is Jalen Waddle, wide receiver. Yeah, and, and again, this is a bit of a pick that could go anywhere because we know from some of the noise in the offseason that the uh, Eagles are rivaling the Texans for the most dysfunctional um, outfit behind the scenes. Um, yeah. You know, and um, I'm certainly not sold on the the Eagles' choice of head coach, um, but I think they've got a glaring need at wide receiver. Um, you know, Jalen Vents is gone. Jalen Hurts is in. They're going to need to give him some weapons. They're going to need someone that is going to take the top off the defense and get some separation. And Waddle is the guy. You know, um, 
his speed, I think, is better than Chase and Smith. Um, the, he's absolutely electric, um, and he's not a pushover either. He's, he's a strong guy that can, you know, go head to head with a cornerback, uh, and he can punt return. I think Waddle's a pick for the Eagles. Yeah, I like that pick very much. Ryan, you've gone for Devonta Smith, wide receiver. I have, yeah. I'm one of the people. I'm trying to look past the issue that he's built like a 13-year-old boy. The way I see it is, in the NFL, you can gain a little bit of weight. When we drafted Kenny Golladay, it was pretty scrawny. We've always said his build was an issue, and sometimes it has come into question. But I think he, on his day, I'm going to say he's the most well-rounded. I'm not going to say he stands out with anything, but he's, his route running is very tidy. He's not the fastest. But when you look at the Eagles in the years, they've had, they've had some terrible picks. Like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, he was supposed to be the guy of the future, that passing No, I'm not having it. I think Smith's going to go to them. And I think they have got to accept that right now, Jalen Hurts is their guy. They've got to give him a shot. Like, that is it. And I think this starts by giving him a reliable pass catch on the outside. And I'm hoping that, despite what I'm great, He's gonna cap. He's gonna. He's gonna prove me wrong, Smith. All right. Just, just on the on the weight, um, Waddle's four kilograms heavier than Devonta Smith, and no one's talking about his weight. It's... Four kilograms. I could put on four kilograms in a long bank holiday weekend. I mean, I. <laughs> we were talking about this last week's pod. I mean, there are a lot of small receivers in this draft. You know, we're talking about Darden and Eskridge, but the guys have chips on their shoulders because of this height. It makes them train harder, work harder. I don't see it as a as a negative. You know, he's got here on pure talent. For me, it's about the height-to-weight ratio, and Smith is three inches taller and four kilograms lighter, and that makes a massive difference. And if you don't believe me, just look at the size of his legs. They're like stick insect. I, mean, I believe that. It's not the way it's how he carry it. And his frame is quite tall, slender. I'm worrying if someone comes in with a cheap shot or tries to crack block him, his legs are going to snap faster than a twiddle. <laughs> All right. I'm also taking Jalen Waddle here. Uh, fastest premium wide receiver in this draft he runs a sub 4-3 I think Oof. I think it is I think it's 4-2-9 that he ran the 40 in no? no only Schwartz and um, Moore got under 4-30 oh. for wide receivers I believe he was very very that close is. then he, he's the fastest of the three the big three for sure anyway yeah. I'll, I'll check it out later but he blows the top off players his play speed is also as fast if not somehow faster than that even the people on the defense who can run the 40 faster than him can't even get close to this guy his route running is excellent he's someone i would like to take at seven in like some sort of ideal world world whether the lions are competing this season he would be right up there for me but it's too much of a luxury to take him uh who's gonna catch the ball 15 20% of the time versus Pitts at seven, where I think he's going to be 25, 30% of your targets potentially. Um, Philly are kicking themselves that they have to take another wide receiver because that's back to back years in the first round. Um, it is. It shows how 
poorly. They've been run over an organization over the past few years. They sacked Doug Peterson. Um, and it's come out recently that the owner has been, you know, got fingers in all the pies. They've been having weekly meetings with the owner, the GM, and the head coach on a Tuesdays to discuss what Doug Peterson was doing wrong, even when they were winning every single week. And the owner has potentially been making some of the draft picks. This is a dysfunctional team, and I worry about any draft pick going to Philly. I think that's... Yeah, I fear for Jalen Waddle and his career there, but but that's that's the best pick for them, I think. All right, welcome back. And you're also picking Waddle at 12 to Philly. Maybe. And it's fro frozen. Okay, well, we can skip through that and then we'll come back to Waddle. Um, Perhaps. Oh, no, he's here. So, yeah. I can hear him. There we go. Yeah, you can't see there's an alarming amount of consensus me? in these picks. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, sorry. Yeah, we can hear you. Earth to Ant. All right, lovely. Um, yeah, so sorry. So Waddle to the Eagles. Yeah, can you get... Have you got me? Yeah, we yeah. got you. I think you're right, somehow um, on a delay Waddle compared to, to the rest of us. <laughs> Oh, no, uh, no, he makes he makes a ton of sense in the world. Waddle to the Eagles does. They've not had a healthy wide receiver since I think they made the first Rocky movie. They just have injuries every year, which decimates that core to the bone, and they need new talent in at receiver. And I think if Waddle slips to twelve, because you know a lot of the times the receivers have been going top ten, I think they'll be absolutely delighted. He's, I think he's consensus wide receiver to win the draft and it just makes a ton of sense for them to go there and get someone who's potentially going to stay healthy for them and give them a new, you know, option in that offense. So, yeah, it just makes a lot of sense for them to do that. I do have one issue. How many people are going to take someone who's come off a serious injury? Returning in college is one thing, but is someone going to take such a high-valued weapon and put him in the line of fire, returning kicks and punts. It, it seems a bit risky in my eyes if anyone's viewing him as a potential returner. I think he's a... I don't know. I think with these guys, you're taking like, the real top of the first. You just put them straight into the lineup, don't you? It's not often you'll get them straight up returning. Well, he's supposed to do both, but I don't know if I'm more really risking on the... Uh... You're asking for no. takes bad hit on it, so I don't think I'm putting him on special teams at pro level, to be honest. But don't they? I think they've got they've got Ty Johnson there, haven't they? Off us, and they've got yeah, they they've got Huntley off us as well. I'd probably be yeah, using them Huntley. to do the punt returning, which is still that still crawls. That one does. He's still my pick for next season as a breakout player. <laughs> <Jason> <laughs> right, charges at thirteen and. Christian Darasaw offensive Darasaw offensive tackle. Uh, yeah, again, this is just another pick I've made based on need. The Chargers need an offensive tackle. Obviously, Sewell and Slater are off the board, so you look a bit down. And Darasaw, I think, is the next guy after that. He was on our um, top fifty the other day on uh, Twitter. He's, I think, he's at about seventeen or eighteen. We ranked him. Um, you know, he's big, strong tackle. I think he's probably NFL ready already. He'll be able to go straight in there, whichever side they need him on. And, you know, they just need to provide a little bit of protection for Justin Herbert because, I mean, he had an amazing year last year. 
there were so many plays where even under pressure he was just pulling shots out the bag and if you think if he even gets a situation where he's even got a little bit of time in the pocket to sit and survey the field, he's going to do a lot of damage. So I think Chargers absolutely have to go tackle, and Darasaur is the third best guy. So easy pick for me again, that one. Yeah, I've gone the same way. I'm going Darasaur as well. Uh, I don't know if you've heard my opinion on Darasaur before. If you haven't, have fun with this one. Darasaur is the most overrated player in this year's draft. He is a very good tackle. But every time you watch his tape, every time I've watched a tape of pretty much any prospect out there, I see a guy who makes a good play, they go out and swag, they're laughing, they're smiling, they're showing any ounce of emotion whatsoever. Darasaur goes out there, he doesn't finish his blocks, he doesn't look like he's interested in doing it either. When he makes a good play, he's totally indifferent to it. And he does play very, very well. But I don't see him making it at the pros. I just don't. I think that teams are going to overdraft him based on the production he's had against weaker opposition. You put him up against edge defenders who are going to give him a bit of trouble. Maybe the opposition will will spur him on and, and give him the motivation he needs. But at the moment, I'm seeing a player that, that lacks motivation. And I, th I just put his bust level so high because I don't see the enthusiasm for the game. I, I question whether he likes it or not, or whether he's just here for a first-round paycheck and he'll be retired in five years. I know that's a fairly strong take, but it's, it's what I've seen on the tape. Ryan, you've gone for a tackle, and I, I, if, I was, if I was them, I would be doing the same as you have here. You've gone for Dylan Raddins. I have, yeah. This one is... A lot of people are probably going to call this a reach, but I'm taking this kid because he was at the senior ball. He plays a lot bigger than he's built. Like he's listed at 6'5", just over 300, but he explodes off the line. He has got great drive. He absorbs a block very well when he's going forward. And he's got that chip on his shoulder. Offensive linemen don't care who's in front of them. So it don't matter that it's coming from an FCS school from North Dakota State. You don't care who's lining up against him. He's going to finish players he is going to live for that moment and he is going to enjoy it. Unlike Darasaw, I've got, he had a really good senior ball where he lined up against a lot of SBS starters and he came out of that looking really good, showing that he can mix it with the big boys. So I think it could be reach, but it's going to be someone that's going to actually stand out at the next level and is going to be talking about it from day one. So I'm, I'm all over his pick. I'm all over that pick as well. I love that pick for the Chargers. 13 for an FCS guy, it's this level of opposition you face. I think, I know Lance is one, but that's quarterback, and that's, you know, you go high for a quarterback if you see the talent there, but I think it's risky, given it, the level of tackle in this class. Yeah, but they with Herbert, Herbert was risky, and it worked out for them. I don't know, I just think that organisation's not, not adverse to taking a risk, but he's, I think his floor is really high. Someone at that weight, with that athleticism, he is oh. excellent. Yeah. He is so shifty at his weight. Oh, yeah, I think he's going to be a good player. But I don't know. That one's just maybe too rich. I like it. I like we'll it see. a lot. Right. We'll That's what the draft's about. <laughs> Steve, you've gone for Rashawn Slater. Yeah, so on, on my board, Slater is still available. And I think if he is still there at number 13, the Chargers are going to get an absolute steal. Um. You know, this guy at Northwestern, 
If anyone's seen a tape of him going one-to-one with Chase Young when they were playing the, the Buckeyes, I mean, he really went, you know, blow for blow with Chase Young and probably came out on top on 55% of, of, of plays. Certainly um, was one of the few uh, linemen that were able to stand up to Chase Young in t- 2019. Um, he opted out last year because of COVID, and I think that's dropped, be one of the reasons why he might drop down a bit. But you know, Herbert needs protection. Um, you know, if he's gonna, if they're going to get anywhere in that in that division, and I think uh, Slater is the pick. Yeah, like it. Best player available and in a position of need. Can't hate it at all. Yeah. And you're up next, Minnesota at fourteen, and you've gone for the tackle projected at guard, Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, and and I think um, you know. It's, the Vikings' big problem is defense, but unfortunately, they're also in cap hell, and they've had to let go their left tackle, um, Riley Reef, um, in the off season, um, and that spells big trouble for this offensive line. Um, you know, I mean, Reef's been absolute quality. He's he's gone over to the Bengals, uh, and he's going to be a big loss. But they've saved like twelve million dollars um, in in cap space. Um, and so I, I think this has to be the pick for the Vikings. Um, and I think Vera Tucker has got that ability to play, you know, tackle or guard. And I think that will make him definitely the best player on the board for uh, the Vikings at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Can't hate that. I like it very much. All right. Ryan, you're going for the edge player from Michigan, Quitty Pay. I am, yeah, because I'm expecting before the season is out that Daniel Hunter has handed in his trade request. I don't expect him to be there starting the season. I know, we know full well he's not happy. We know they're in cap hell, and he's already said that he is not happy with how his contract is. He's not earning much money. Right now, they don't have Everson Griffin. I'm just looking at that right now, thinking, where's the pressure coming from? If Hunter's not there, if they don't bring back Griffin, can they get to the quarterback? And if they can it's going to be a long day for second minutes. The corners are too young and the safeties are long in the tooth. So I think the lack of pass rush is going to be a real issue in Minnesota this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Sorry. And I, and I think um, I, I wrote an, an article for um, NFL Scotland a few weeks ago just talking about the free agency. And I think the big problem for the Vikings is that Daniel Hunter has seen other edge players get paid um, you know, and I think um, you, know, you look at the deals that someone like TJ Watt's got, and I think that will very much um, th- there will be some envy in that. And, and I think the Vikings aren't going to be able to pay him this season. Yeah, right. I'm going for Elijah Vera Tucker as well. Slightly concerned by the pick a little bit, but I think it's the best player available in a position of need for them. He. For an, an offense which is very run-focused, he's not the best run blocker. He doesn't get much penetration. He doesn't push the pocket. Not push a pocket. He doesn't push the defender away and create those holes. He is a better pass blocker. But as a value pick in the position, so there was not much more to it than that. Looking at the board, it was the best play for me. So. All right, and you've also gone with Vera Tucker. Um, yeah, as much as I want to see Kirk Cousins' overpaid ass get chased all around the field next year, I think, you know, right, Reef's gone. 
they've got a big need on the left side of that line now and Vera Tucker, as we've said, he's projected to start as a left guard. He's probably gonna stay there, but he is, you know, versatile at playing the tackle position as well. So for me, he provides sort of a double need for them there. He can fill in both positions as and when he's needed. And I think that's where they're going to go. Because if I'm looking elsewhere, they might want to go safety. But I think that's a bit too rich at 14. I don't think you go 14 on a safety. So you go for your next need instead, which is that left side of the offensive line. And Vera Tucker makes all the sense in the world for that pick. Uh, Roberto's just come in with a comment on the Twitch stream. And he's just been talking about the... Uh the trade that Ant's projected with the Patriots so they can go and get Trey Lance and he has just said that he thinks that it's Matt Patricia paying the favour over to Detroit for a big haul. I quite like the, the the poetic justice of that somehow that he screwed us over only to rebuild us with his leaving and going back to ruin his old team. All right. He owes, he owes us that. He much. owes us big. It wouldn't pay back the debt at all but it would be something. Right, at 15... The trade spot down from New England. The Detroit Lions select and Devonta Smith. Um, yeah, so obviously we've gone we've gone the trade back route, which I think is you know a good option for us just to get a few more picks in the future. I don't want a receiver in the first round. I've been very vocal that I think there's good value all the way throughout the draft. You have been very vocal, Ant, about this. Have, very vocal for many have, weeks. I'm just, I'm just I'm just passionate about my beliefs, you know. So, you know, anyhow, I think that the Lions brass disagree with me. I think they're very high on taking a receiver early. And if they can trade back and also get Devonta Smith, I think they'll be very happy. Obviously, we have need at receiver. I've no problem with his build or size. Like I said, I've been doing a lot of research on some of the later guys, Darden, Eskridge. You know, it. You know, guys who are always criticised, who are always told that you know they're not going to be good enough, etc. It creates a chip on the shoulder. It makes them a little stronger, a little faster, a little more eager to prove people wrong. So. I've got no problems with him in terms of the players there. I think we go receiver, we get him, and we get some extra picks for the draft. But that's what I think the Lions brass will do. It's not what I would personally do. All right. My pick for New England is a trade, actually. Beg your pardon, because they traded down up to four with Atlanta. The Atlanta Falcons select Quitty Pay, the edge player. This was a best player available pick. I think that wide receiver there stacked. That offense doesn't need too much help. And actually, their secondary could do with help. But I didn't see a DB I wanted to take. I didn't see a linebacker I wanted to take particularly. I know that Mika Parsons hasn't yet come off my board. However, I think that Quitty Pay has the physical tools to be one of those edge players that, that breaks the game. His, he is someone whose floor is very low and his ceiling is very high it's a risky pick but i think he can produce from day one if he decides he's going to do it and i think atlanta is a is a place where that can happen so they take quitty pay ryan you're up for new england and you are taking for them jeremiah Owuzu koromoa yeah i'm taking the i don't know what it projects to play at the next level but i think this guy is one of that next breed of hybrid He's going to play maybe a bit of linebacker, a bit of safety. Look at the Patriots linebacker car. Matt Judon is an edge. He 
he's really big. He's not a he's not a he's not a do it linebacker for me. Patrick Chunlevel is just retired, so they're a bit long in the two. They've got Gerard Mayo, they've brought Kyle Van back, but for me that middle is really weak. And Awusu Corona, he's a brilliant tackler. He is that guy in the middle that I want. He's going to be in the box. I'll drop him back. Uh, he's a bit of a he's a gadget, uh, arguably. But I think at the same time, I just trust him. I think Bill could do something with him. I think we'll have a plan for him, and I think he's the kind of guy who's going to get the most out of him. And he has been climbing them boards lately, so I think somewhere in the middle of the first is going to be uh, the best value for him. I love it. He's uh, he's someone that someone's going to take a liking to. I think it's a unique skill set, which is going to rule some out, but some will fall in love with it for sure. All right, Steve at 15 for New England. Yours was a trade to the Atlanta Falcons, and you have selected Jalen Phillips at edge. Yeah, so I, I think the Falcons will be happy trading down because I think they, they know the guy they want on defense, and they know that he will be around in this kind of like 15 to 20 Mark and, and that is Jalen Phillips. Um, a bit of a risk because of the concussion history, um, but his speed and explosiveness around the edge is absolutely unreal. So in terms of a gamble um, at this pick, um, you know th- there's a lot of upside if if this works out for the Falcons. Um, and I think you know the Falcons in that NFC South, you know, up against the Bucks up against the Saints they they absolutely need some help in in terms of like generating some pass rush um their defense has been absolutely awful um and they've thrown away so many games and I think that Phillips is an absolute you know game changer so I I can I can see this pick down at 15. I don't know if it's just me with the edge class but I think you could put pay away and the triplets and the uh, the triple lock from Miami. I think you could put them in a hat and pull them out and whatever order they come out in, it could realistically be an option for them. It's just so hard to grade them. Yeah, and, and it's to do with the lack of comparable stats because of, you know, people opting out, COVID. There just isn't that consistency of, of film and stats that you would normally see. So I think that's muddied the waters a bit. But yeah, it's taken 15 teams where we've all picked someone different for the first time, I believe. Hey, hey. Second. how about that? I think the thing for me with Jalen Phillips is that he was the number one player out of high school overall. And he would be a top five pick without those concussions for sure. Those physical tools are up there. But we talk about some of these players above and their floor. So we've talked about Smith and the fact that he might not be on the field that often. But the problem for me with Phillips, you spoke about the concussion issue. He has retired before, like from football together, made a comeback. One more concussion and his floor is retired early. Like that, that's too much for me to consider maybe even a first round pick on him. You're not concerned by that. Oh, I'm not concerned, you said you were concerned, but not concerned enough. Oh, yeah, we've all retired from this pod before and we're all back. oh yeah okay Arizona you're up as well Caleb Farley another injury concern for Arizona yeah and and I I think Farley's only only still around at 16 because of the injuries Um, but I think the Cardinals you know 
I mean, the, the NFC West, if, if they are going to do anything out of the NFC West, is this Cliff Kingsbury's third season? You know, and he's got the quarterback in Kyler Murray, but, you know, he's now up against not just the Seahawks, you know, not just Shanahan's 49ers, but he's up against Matt Stafford. Um, and I think that the, the Cardinals are going to be desperate for some help in the backfield. Obviously, Patrick Peterson has gone. Um, and I think they desperately need a corner. So I, I can see. Um, I, I think if you look at the other corners on the market, I, I don't know. I, I, I can't see certain still being around. Um, I can't see JC Horn still being around. I think Farley is probably the best corner available at 16. I think I think he is the best corner available, definitely by talent. I worry for Cliff Kingsbury that this might be his last season. If if they don't start competing this year, they have overpromised and underdelivered. I think I think he came in. It was meant to be this this air raid offense, um, which was going to kind of shock everyone with how you know offensively electric they were going to be. And while they've been good, I don't think they've exceeded expectations there. Just yeah, I mean, when you when you look at yeah, you know, I mean, you know, they've got you know Hopkins, you know, and you know they've absolutely stolen him from the Texans. Uh, they've got Kyler Murray, um, you know, they've just added JJ Watt. Um, so I, I think this is very much a, a deliver or see you later for for Kingsbury. Mm. Um, you know, I, I just hope that we'll get to see some nice shots of his front room and his draft setup. <laughs> Because that really was the highlight last year. He mm. he had the best setup I've ever seen. <laughs> Top marks. All right, Ryan, you've also got Caleb Farley. Yep. I'll start by saying Cliff Kingsbury was a poor hire. I didn't rate it at the time. Don't rate it now. They're in win now mode. If they don't get ten plus wins, he's fired. That's as simple as that. Caleb Farley is probably the biggest loser of opting out. If he knew how this off season was gonna go with injury and struggles. He probably wished he'd have played, to be honest, or at least got some film for this year. I think right now you've lost Patrick Peterson. The long-time Drake Kirkpatrick has also gone. The Cardinals have very little outside help, and they play in the NFC West. They play in a division that is quarterback-heavy, and you've got to cover the likes of Cup, Robert Woods, Lockett and Metcalf. If you can't shut down at least one of them and put the onus on the other cornerback, you're going to struggle heavily. And it's, this is a diamond. I think he's fallen far enough that if he has one bad injury and he retires, well, you knew what you were getting. It's not that it's not that much of a gamble, but I think he has a massive upside when he finally heals. All he needs to do now is just let his body heal and ease him in gently, and then I think he'll be good to go. I've also gone with a corner, but I've gone with a corner with a less downside, and it's JC Horn. We've spoken about him earlier on, but electric, aggressive, someone who's going to do exactly what Ryan is asking for when talking about Farley, but without the downside of potentially having a back injury halfway through your season and potentially, you know, maybe not playing the start of the season as well, Caleb Farley. I'm not sure yet about how severe that injury is, but Horn is the best cornerback on my board. They need cornerback help. He goes to Arizona. And you've also picked JC Horn. Um, yeah, uh, they need a corner. Um, 
as Ryan mentioned, they've lost a lot at corner this off season, and JC Horn for me is cornerback two. Um, it makes the sense. It, it makes all the sense to go for him because I think, as it's been said as well, they're in sort of maybe now getting towards win now mode. I wouldn't be risking Caleb Farley in this, but I know he got medically cleared today, and everyone says he's going to be fine. But you know, I would rather the guy who is injury free come straight in and for me is he's still cornerback too so you you add him in there you get a few more defensive bits and i think the cardinals are in a good position this year i don't think the west is as strong as it was last year the seahawks are poor and they've only got three picks in the draft this year they're not going to be able to improve that way and they've had all the problems with russ i think the 49ers it depends on how healthy they can stay i think the cardinals have a good chance in the division again Obviously, Stafford's got a good chance at the Rams as well. But yeah, yeah, Cardinals need a corner. Uh, take the cornerback too. Yeah, that's fair. Right, we are halfway through, boys. That was pick sixteen for all of us. Um, I'm going to try and keep us to a fairly strict thirty seconds per pick. Now I know we've kind of elaborated a bit more than we perhaps might have done. So let's get this get this through. I'm not going to rush you too much, but let's let's do it. Vegas at seventeen for Ant. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. Yeah, well, making the Raiders picks impossible because you never know what they're going to do every year. So I've just gone with what the sensible pick should be, but I've got absolutely no faith in this whatsoever. They need a linebacker. Um, I think it's at the high. Yeah, I think it's the highest level of priority for them. And Owusu Koromoa, uh, for me, is linebacker too. So easy fit, easy need for them. But of course, we all know they're not going to do it. All right, for me, they're going offensive tackle. Oh, hello, I filled it again as opposed to bloody putting the thing in black. Right, they're going with Tevin Jenkins. I think, I think that Vegas is is one of those picks. Like you say, it's really hard to predict where they're going to go. That defense needs work, but they gave up their tackle for basically nothing in the off season. I think to the Patriots. And yeah, Trent Brown. Yeah. Trent Brown. They need to replace him. Tevin Jenkins is my best tackle on the board at the current spot. It's probably too much common sense for the Raiders, but that's where I've gone with them. Ryan, you're going with uh, interior defensive lineman Christian Barmore. Yep, because I think he's one of the best prospects on that defense. That defense for me needs work. Outside of the interior, you've got likes of Max Crosby. The edges are kind of set, but they need a little bit of push up the midfield. I think that is where he's struggling. If you can manage to generate some pressure from inside, you're going to help to release those players on the outside. And I think he is probably, if he's not being picked right now, he's probably going to be the best interior defensive lineman. But like you say, Oakland, the hard to pick. I struggle with his pick one of the most because they're a team that, don't necessarily have loads of holes, but you just don't know what they're going to do. I think he is going to be someone that is just, he's stout. He's going to be sturdy. And you can't usually go that wrong with the interior defensive linemen, to be honest. Mm. All right. Is that is that a 33rd team we've picked up, Oakland? Uh, oh. <laughs> right. <Hold on. laughs> Steve, you've gone with Christian Darasaur. Yeah, and... and... Going back to the you know the projected win totals for the teams, and I think the Lions have predicted five wins, um, which I think was the second lowest. For me, the Raiders as a franchise, they're a mess. They're they're up there with the Texans. They're up there with, you know, the, the Eagles. 
I don't even know what the Raiders are. What what, what are they good at? What what are their strengths? What's going to happen with this team next year? I completely agree with with Ryan. The def- defense is crying out in that you know NF- in AFC West, crying out for help. But he's got rid of like most of his offensive line over the off season. Um, Rodney Hudson's a three-time Pro Bowler, and he's gone to the Cardinals. I think Jackson, the right guard's gone. Trent Brown's gone back to the Patriots. So they've got to take an eff- offensive line. I think Darasaw's the best player on the board. I agree with you, Matt. I think he's overrated, but I think he's a kind of Gruden player. So I can see this pick happening. Overrated, Gruden. Is that yeah. is that what you're saying? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's just a classic flashy Raiders pick, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. It's the Antonio Brown free, you know, free agency move, isn't it? It's just style over actual substance. Agreed. Agreed. Right. Miami for you as well. Quitty pay edge. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Dolphins are in luxury land here in that they've been able to take a top skill player at number six and they can still pick up, you know, a quality defensive end like pay at, at, at 18. Um, so I, I think this will be a great pick for them. All right, Ryan, you've gone with Rashawn Slater. Wow, he's he's fallen a bit. I've had him fall, but purely because of the depth for this all-line class. I think he is the do-it-all, he's plug it in anywhere. Where they are right now, Miami, at this pick, it's like I say, it's a luxury pick. They can go anywhere, they can do really anything because they've managed, they've, they've earned this pick by being so good with their front office and working it well. I have got him falling. But I think that's because I'm higher of other players. I think he's a jack of all trades, master of none. That's how I'm going to put him. All right. I am going to spring a surprise on you by mocking Najee Harris to Miami Ooh. at 18. They are in need of a running back. You talk about it being a luxury pick, and this is the epitome of a luxury pick right in the centre of the first round. But he is my running back one, marginally. He's got the frame that you want from a, a running back. I think of I think of Jay Ajayi when I see him, who obviously did very well at Miami. Um, he can do it in, in the pass-catching phase. He's a great blocker, and he's obviously a great runner too. <laughs> They've already taken Jamar Chase early, so there's no need at, at receiver. I don't think they need to go defense. So, where am I going? And it, it just was the thing that struck out to me as a sort of nice meat of need and, well, well, don't have to worry about value really here with the number of picks that they have too much. All right, and you've got, ooh, you've got Gregory Rousseau, the edge. Yeah, so for me, I think the Dolphins need an edge rusher, and I think the class is poor outside the first but the guys in the first it's a bit of a lottery between them so three of the edge guys there are from Miami themselves I think Quitty Pie is a little bit better than Russo but I think with Russo playing in state I think they'll probably have a lot more info on him they'll have seen the way he plays he plays in Miami conditions you know he's already adjusted to how it is down there I think it just makes sense for them. He's Russo's a really good player. I know he opted out last year, but because he's already settled there, because he knows what it's like to play there, I think it just makes sense for them to go after him as opposed to Pike. Because I don't think the skill gap is that big. So, 
yeah. An edge, it's Russo. All right. Washington at 19 for you as well with Zayvon Collins, linebacker. Um, yeah, um, Washington are already spoilt with um, defense, but I think linebacker is a bit of a hole for them on there, and they have made offensive improvements during free agency. So, um, Zayvon Collins, for me, he's, he's, he's a really good linebacker. I think he's probably the third best linebacker in this class, and Beans as Wusu, Koromoa, and Parsons have gone. Um, if they're going linebacker, then Zayvon Collins is their guy. For Washington, I'm going for my first linebacker off the board, LB1, Micah Parsons. Now, I know that this is a fair old fool for Micah, but I think there's so much talent that's gone beforehand that I'm not worried too much about him falling. I don't think that's a reflection on his talent, but I do think that, like you said with, with saving Collins and them needing a linebacker, that linebacker makes perfect sense and Parsons is there, so they take him. Ryan, you've gone for the trade with Detroit and Detroit select Rashad Bateman. Why receiver? Yeah. I think this is the territory where Bateman, I think this is where his territory starts, 1920 onwards. Now, the way I look at him is he's he's a precision route runner. He's listed at 6'1", 6'2". He's supreme. He's crisp. He's strong in his routes. He runs really tidily. And when I think of that, he reminds me a bit of Marvin Jones Jr. He's the kind of guy that's going to be physical when he runs and finishes a nice route. He's going to pick the best hole, and I think he's going to eventually be a wide receiver one. And I think this is where just the cusp of where his value kicks in. Yeah, I agree with you actually on him being a potential wide receiver one in the future. I worry that his pro day counts against him slightly with him being underweight and under height, significantly so compared to where he's listed, but. I'm not going to argue with you on where he goes. I think it's a good pick. All right, Steve, linebacker, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa to Washington. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of gone exactly the same as Ant in the last two picks. You know, he's gone edge Miami, linebacker, Washington, and, and I've done exactly the same, except I've I've gone with Pay rather than Russo and JOK rather than Collins. I think... Um, I think you know, Washington are building a really mean, nasty defense, and I think this will be a, a, a piece in the jigsaw that will make them win the NFC East next season, um, no matter what the bookies say. Um, I think, he, you know, he's probably the second LB after Parsons, um, and I, I think this would be a great pickup at 19. I think with that defence, you can let Fitzpatrick fly. And if he has a few interceptions, don't worry, mate. We'll get it back for you. I just yeah, think that's a good defence. Yeah, yep. I love it. Okay. And for you, Chicago Bears at 20. Devonta Smith has fallen all the way to 20. Yeah. I, I'd, be, I, I'd be surprised if Smith is still here at 20. But I think he, with all the kind of narrative that's been going on, he is a player that just could end up being edged out of like the top 15. And I just think in terms of like team needs, he could end up at the bears. Um, I don't really want to see him at the bears. Um, I think the bears could have picked someone much funnier um, for, to, to keep us amused <laughs> next season. Um, but I mean, you know, the bears offense is God awful. Um, if I, I think that the Bears are one of those teams that will really be aspiring to take a quarterback and trade up 
but I just don't think they've got the draft capital to do it um, or the cap space. Um, and also, you know, with Fold, Nick Foles' contract um, and now obviously Andy Dalton, I just think they're in a really awful position. And I think they, would, they will do a, a Bears thing and they will, um, you know, not address the, the, the biggest need and they will just take the flashiest player on the, you know, the, the most fan-pleasing player left on the board. I think it's probably the wrong pick for the Bears. I think it's certainly the wrong destination for Smith because I think he's going to shine somewhere and it's certainly not going to be in Chicago, but I think that's just how the board's fallen. I can see Chicago picking in the top three next year. I really can. And and if Smith goes there, I think he'll be paired with a very nice quarterback in 2022. So, you know, they'll let Alan Robinson go or they'll re-sign him. One of the two will occur. But they'll have Smith as a wide receiver one with Rattler, maybe. And I think that'd be quite a nice combination for the Bears. So, I Do you think, really Al- do you think Alan Robinson wants to be at the Bears for another season? I can't yeah. see... I can't see him. No, can't see it. Right, Ryan, Bears, wide receiver, Kadarius Tony. Yep, I've gone with the, the fun, flashy pick. A quarterback, but like I said, they don't have the capital. I'm, I think quarterback, I think the Bears are going to draft Davis Mills in rounds two or three. So I think they're going to take quarterback there. Now, Alan Robinson, for me, his head and his heart are not in Chicago. He's going to play on this tag. He's going to learn a fair bit of whack. And then he's going to jump ship first chance he can. So why not take a chance to replace him now with a guy that he's not a gadget quad. He's not a gadget player. Like people don't rate Kadarius Tony as highly as they should. When he gets the ball in his hands, he's going to make stuff happen. He is going to get yards after the catch. He's going to make people miss. He is going to be all over there. You might see him on a jet sweep. If someone works out how to use him in an offense, he's going to be brilliant. And this is like. The back end of the first is where I'm happy to take him. All right, for me, Chicago are going with the best cornerback on the board. They've lost a couple of players there. It's probably, for me, their their biggest need. And it's Greg Newsom at corner. Uh, you know, it, it's just one of those things where they're drafting for need because their roster building has been poor and he's the best corner on the board. There's nothing more to it than that. Uh head coach is fighting for his job maybe I've gone wrong here because he needs to gamble and this is not the gambler's pick but it is it's the right pick for me uh and you've gone with a cornerback as well you've gone with Caleb Farley um I have yeah the the only reason the Bears haven't been bottom feeding the NFC North these last few years instead of us is because of that defense their offense has been truly truly atrocious it has been absolutely god awful but now there are signs that that defense is just starting to crack a little bit they lost robertson harris kyle fuller is the big one who's gone and they need to replace him because he's such a pivotal part of that secondary and i think if they don't address that their entire you know their defense could start to fall apart and that's going to expose them really big you know big time so for me they need to come up with a straight swap for fuller and try and plug it immediately and caleb farley he's only really gone down this far because of the injury concerns if he needs a little bit of time to integrate that's fine because their defense is more elite and can handle him probably not been at 100% straight away but I think that hole that Fuller leaves behind is huge and they're going to want to plug it early I know they need receivers as well but you know deeper in the draft there are a lot of good receivers still around 
So and I can't believe that no one's talking about this more. Like the, the Bears cutting Carl Fuller. I mean, like unfortunately, we're doing some um, writing for about the NFC North. I have to cover quite a lot of the Bears stuff, so I have to listen to some of their appalling podcasts. Um, and the Bears fans are pissed off about this. I mean, it just seems like a crazy move. I know they need the cap space, but I mean, Fuller's quality, he's not that old. Um, is he about like 28, 29? Something yeah. like that. But his cap hit was $20 million, wasn't it? Million. Yeah. Yeah, they I mean, they couldn't not... have thought he'd have been the highest cap hit of a cornerback in the league by far, surely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's tw- 29, 29. It's an untenable amount of cap hit for a corner. I don't care who you are. I don't okay, care if you're Daryl Revis in your prime. That's a lot of money. Yeah, but see, I think the Bears can't afford to let that defense fall. Otherwise, they're going to be bottom feeding below us, I reckon, because our offense is better than theirs even now. With us not having any receivers, I would still just start <laughs> offense above theirs. I think it's that bad. I agree. I agree completely. Right, and you've got Indy, and you've got offensive tackle Samuel Cosme. Right. Yeah. So there's only one pick for the Colts here. They need, you know, Anthony Costanzo's retired. He's been a massive part of that offense offensive line for a long time now. And given the amount of money they've just invested in Carson Wentz, they need to replace him with the best offensive tackle on the board. If if we were doing trades later in the round, I think Indianapolis is a good bet maybe if they see a tackle fall who they like, they may trade up. But for me, sitting at 21, after all the guys who've gone, Samuel Cosme is the guy, unlike Sewell, unlike Slater, Cosme has played a lot at both sides of the line. He's played a lot at right, he's played a lot at left, so you can utilise him however you need him, and he's got a bit more versatility you know, to the role, which I think the Colts are going to need. They have to protect Carson Wentz, because we saw what happened last year when Carson Wentz doesn't get protected. He spits his dummy out, he stops playing, and he just turns the ball over all the time. So for me, the Colts have to go best available tackle there, and for me, that is Samuel Cosme. I've also gone with a tackle, but ooh. I've also gone with a tackle, but I've not gone with the same one. I'm going with Liam Eichenberg. And I think this is a slight reach, but they do need a tackle for exactly the reasons Ant said, and I think they're gonna fall in love with this guy. Tall and big, quick vertically, good against power rush, maybe slightly not as good against the speed rushes on the outside but I think he's got one of the highest floors of any of the tackles out there. I'm just not sure he's got the highest ceiling, but I think Indy, above all, value, dependableness, consistency, and high floor players rather than high ceiling players. And I think he is the epitome of that tackle. The quick thing I'd say about Eichenberg is he got screwed by his coach who says he doesn't reckon he's good enough to play left tackle in the league. And when a player's coach is saying that, that for me raises a lot of red flags, especially a first round pick. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Right, Ryan, you're going for Christian Darasaur at tackle. Yep. Uh, I think in Indianapolis, when you try to protect someone like Castle, I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to enjoy the football. I think you're there to do a job. You're going to have to be more disciplined, I think, when you're protecting someone like him. And he's going to expect a lot from you. He ain't going to be there playing fun our games. I don't know if he's going to be that great in the locker room, but they need help on that line to protect him. And I think he's going to have someone there that's going to be a little bit more 
serious. Like I say, he can come a bit across a bit of a sulk, but I'm hoping that's going to fire him up and I'm hoping someone might give him a kick up the ass. Someone like Wentz, who's very vocal, like you say, he's going to have high expectations for him. Yeah, yeah, fair. Right, Steve, you're going with Tevin Jenkins. Tackles across the board. Yeah, and you know, I, I won't repeat too much what everyone else has said, but you know, they've got to keep Wentz healthy. Um, Wentz needs time to throw. You know, the, the Colts are one or two decent players away from a, being a really, really good outfit. Um, and I think just with the way the board's fallen, Jenkins is the pick. Who can see Indy getting to the playoffs and then Wentz getting injured? Just, just for a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. You, you've you got Tennessee and you've got Greg Newsom, their cornerback. Yeah. Um, I think um, Newsom, I think on most people's boards, has gone. Um, but I think I put Farley just one higher. Um, again, that, that, that AFC South, barring the Texans, is quite a tight division. And I think... It, there was just something missing with the Tennessee last season. You know, I mean, they've got Tannehill and, and Derek Henry, um, but I think the defense was just a bit, a, a bit average um, or a bit worse than average. And I think Newsom will be a good fit to tighten up on uh, defensive backs. All right, Ryan, you've got a Jalen Waddle wide receiver. That is a dramatic fall. Yep, I've got. I'm thinking. Well, I was looking at this draft and I was happy and someone pointed out I'd forgotten Jalen Waddle. So I looked at the best place to put him in. I think one of them is going to have to slide. Like I can't see them all sitting there when there's so many teams in the offensive line. And I think despite being the burner that's going to take the roof off, he could be the one that falls, coming off a bad injury. The Titans have lost Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. They've got an instant need for a wide receiver too that could build in. He's just going to start day one easily. He's going to be a steal. Right, I am going with best player available for Tennessee, and that for me is Christian Barmore, interior defensive line. Not a particular need, I don't think, for Tennessee. I think that cornerback is a bigger need that Steve was talking about, but reportedly the NFL teams are far higher on Barmore than the media are, and part of the projection for me is that that factoring in. He's a disruptor across the line he just happens to line up at defensive tackle and I think he's going to turn that defense into something worth worth its uh yeah I don't know quite what I'm trying to say but he's going to make that defense a lot better <laughs> right and you've got Rashad Bateman yeah so as it's been mentioned I think cornerback and wide receiver are the two big needs for the Titans now I've my top three cornerbacks have gone and I just want to say I love Greg Newsom. I th he's in my first round, just not yet. But I have to remember when this sort of cycle started, when we started looking towards the draft, Newsom was squarely around two pick. I don't think many saw him as a first, and I think his stock has risen over time. But I think when you're looking at the quality available, I think the quality between you know Horn and Newsom is a little bit bigger than at your receiver position because Bateman sat there I think he's really high caliber and I think he provides the best value if you go in toe-to-toe -to -toe, Bateman or Newsom I think Bateman's just got that little bit more for them but that's no slight on Greg Newsom I think he's a really good cornerback and like I say he's going to go in the first round but just for the sake of this one I just think they're going to go wide receiver instead just about all right and then you've got the Jets next up and they're taking Quissy Pay. Uh, yeah, so the Jets need an edge. 
Uh, I think that's for sure. Obviously, they've got their quarterback of the future and they've got some good weapons on the offense. They've invested very wisely in free agency. So I think you need to look at that defense a bit and start shoring that up so that Zach Wilson doesn't have to throw for 40 points a game to try and get something out of them. And with Russo already off the board, given his Miami connections, pays definitely edge two for me out of these and I think he makes the most sense for them and he's an explosive guy off the edge he's got an absolute ton of potential the Jets weren't necessarily that good at getting after the quarterback last year so yeah I've got them taking the best edge in class and he's maybe fallen a tiny little bit to them so they have a good first round with Wilson and Pye all right I am taking for the Jets Terrace Marshall Jr. I think this is going to easily be the highest that any of us have him rated. But I look at that wide receiver room, Davis, Crowder, Mims, and I don't see someone who breaks the game for them at all. I, I see three very good wide receivers. But I think Terrace Marshall brings an element to that team that, that none of them do in in how physically big he is and how he plays probably bigger than, than the 6-3 frame that he is. Powerful, very fast, not quite elite top-end speed, but he's got that twitch about him as well. Not massive run-after-catch ability, but I don't know. I just got a feeling that someone's going to fall in love with the physical tools as well as his catching ability. There is a a rumour out there or, uh, or two that he's a little bit of a diva and I wonder whether that's going to hurt his draft stock. I've heard him labelled the next OBJ, which is not something that everyone wants to hear particularly, but we'll see. Um, right, Ryan, you're up for the Jets and you pick Edge Gregory Rousseau. This were easy. Robert Sala, he's going to love that length and that explosiveness off the edge. It reminds me a bit like an Eric Armstead. He's got the pure size and the physical tools to make it work. He's going to use him well. All right, Steve. For the Jets, Aziz Ojalari edge. Yeah, um, again, I think the Jets will go edge. Um, Ojalari's, you know, outside linebacker, um, can play in a 4-3, very athletic, very physical. I think um, he's got a lot of potential to carry on improving, played really well for the Bulldogs, and I... I've just got him just ahead of Russo on my board, but it's a coin flip in it. All right. And at 24 to Pittsburgh, you've got running back Najee Harris. I mean, I must be psychic because, you know, they've uh, let go James Conner, uh, I think, to the Cardinals today. Um, can I just add, a, I did do this mock, I think, last night. So it's, yeah, psychic powers. I, I think... Um, you know, P Pittsburgh is a bit of a mess, and I, I think they they desperately need someone that is really going to light up that backfield. And because I can't see Roethlisberger doing much this this season, I, I can see them being pedestrian. And I think you know, no one wants to take a running back in the in the first round, let alone in the top twenty five. Um, but I, I think they'll they'll have to have. This is a kind of necessity pick. And, and you know, and I, and I think Harris is, you know, he is the the best running back on the board. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people think running back for Pittsburgh, and so does Ryan Nashi Harris. Yep, Connor's gone. Benny Snell Jr. is a nice change of pace, but he's not a lead back. I don't necessarily 
you can make a case that two running backs go in the first round. You can make a case that none go in the first round. But I think logical pick, you replace James Connor, who was frankly overrated. He got a lot of fans because he was in state and played for Pitt, but this is an upgrade for me. All right, for me, for Pittsburgh, I'm going with Landon Dickerson, centre. First centre off the board. Possibly not the best centre, although I think he's a terrific player. I think Pittsburgh are going to fall in love with him. Their centre retired, I believe. And Pouncey, yeah. Yeah, Pouncey. Lucky's Pouncey, yeah. yeah. And so there's a glaring hole there. And if you want Roethlisberger to do something in potentially his final year with the team, I think you need someone reliable snapping him the ball. I think it's their biggest need by far. I'm not sure about how how I feel about a team drafting a centre in the first round this year. But I think they will do it. So, there we go. Landon Dickerson. And Najee Harris for... And I'm the spoiling party then, not going for Harris. Yeah, I just, you look at what happened to the Steelers last year. Why did their season fall apart? It's because they didn't have a running game at all. Connor just didn't get going whatsoever and what that did because they were playing that really fast game where Roethlisberger was getting the ball out in less than three seconds all the time just the short sharp passes when teams started cottoning on to the fact that they didn't have a run game and if they shut the run game down they were then able to defend against that style of play and the second teams worked that out the Steelers entire offense just went to hell because they didn't have a running back capable of just making that offense a little bit more dynamic. So, yeah, they've got this um, tight end that drops the ball a lot. I can't think what his name is. Can anyone um, think of his name? Megadrop. Some Stonehands, Ebro. Megadrop, isn't it? Um, but yeah, he's, that offense went to hell because they didn't have a running back and then teams just started defending against the short passing game. They're going with Roethlisberger again, so that's the same type of game plan they're going to go with. They need a running back to help open the field up a little bit. And the G. Harris, for me, is running back one. He's got Derrick Henry size and strength, but he's also got the poise and patience of Le'Veon Bell. So he's a guy who's going to offer so much to your backfield. He can come in as a slot receiver if you need him. But most importantly, he is a bruising back who will get you yards. Even if the offensive line isn't doing its job properly, he will shake guys off and he'll make yards. So for me, even without a centre, running back's the big one. The G. So, Harris is the pick. So if Mac Jones falls to, let's say, around, is still on the board at 15, 16, can you see the Steelers trading up for him? Yes. I said very early on, obviously, I think Matt Jones needs a scheme to work properly, like Alabama. He needs someone who's set up for those short, sharp passes, the more accurate throws, not necessarily needing him to do a lot of work down the field. And the Patriots and the Steelers are really the only teams who run with offenses that benefit the traditional pocket passer. So I think he could land at both of those, but it was just a case of whether he was going to fall far enough for the Steelers to be interested in doing so. But I agree with you completely. If Matt Jones falls far enough, I think they may be in play to come up and get him if that's the way they want to go. But if they don't, I think it's running back. All right, you're next up for Jacksonville as well, and you're taking Tevin Jenkins' tackle. 
Um, yep, so obviously you've got Trevor Lawrence at number one, you've got your brand shiny new quarterback, and you don't want to do what the Bengals did last year and watch him get mullered in the first few games, and they have a big need uh, offensive tackle, so I think they're going to take best tackle left on the board for me in that case. It is Tevon Jenkins. I don't, you know, I think he's a really good tackle. I think he's going to develop into a really good standard NFL player, not on the par of the guys who've gone in front of him, but in terms of what Jag Jacksonville need, they need to keep Trevor Lawrence upright and let him play the elite game that we all know he can, because that is obviously the best way. They're going to improve quicker with him. So get your QB, then go for O-line straight away. So I've got similar thinking, but I'm going with offensive tackle Samuel Cosme. Um, Cosme is the best tackle remaining on my board. He can play left or right tackle. Um, their left tackle is Cam Robinson. He's playing on the tag. No guarantees he's going to be around next year. Joan Taylor, second round pick in 2019, but has flattered to deceive. Cosme is going to possibly come in as a starting right tackle, possibly play a swing tackle role in year one. But I think Cam Robinson will move on at the end of this current season coming and Cosme will slot in at left tackle for 2022. Ryan, you're up and you're picking for Detroit after a trade. Trevon yep, Morig, safety. I'm starting the rebuild now. We've taken these picks from Washington to move back and I'm giving them straight back up. I am trading back into the first round from number two because the Jaguars can get offensive tackle later on and they like to seem to stock picks for some reason, but I'm not about that. I think Holmes is aggressive and we're going to get the next guy that's going to be our next Glover Quinn because secondary for years has been poor. Safety's been terrible and I'm not sold on Tracy Walker. Sorry, Aaron, I know, you, I know you're not here to hear that, but I'm not sold on if he'll be around next year. So I'm taking the best safety in the class at the end of the first. Be prepared for the Twitter hate coming your way when this gets released. <laughs> I love the pick. Morig would be a massive factor in our game. I think that elevates us quite a long way, actually. Right, Steve, you've gone for Rashad Bateman, wide receiver. Yeah, you know, they've got Trevor Lawrence. They need someone to throw to. They've got Dal Bevelstein as OC. Um, and obviously he's brought with him Jamal Agnew and Marvin Jones. But, you know... DJ Shark is here, wide receiver one. I, I think they need more. I, I think they need more help, and I think um, if Bateman's still around, they will be the pick. <laughs> All right, Cleveland, Christian Barmore, defensive tackle. Yeah, and you know, I think you you said it all about Barmore in terms of his ability on on the interior of that de defensive line. Um, I think the Browns have got. A, you know, um, a lot of weapons on offense, but their defense was very hit and miss last season. Um, and in that absolute bare pit of a AFC North, I, th I think um, they need some help on the line. And I think Barmore is that guy. Ryan, for Cleveland, you've gone for Zaven Collins at linebacker. Yep, I think he's the third best in the class. I ain't, he ain't gone higher because. I worry if he's a bit big. I don't know how he's going to carry that size in the NFL, if he's going to be as effective, if he can carry over and play that game speed. But I think he is going to be a bit of a, a weapon in midfield. I think he's going to show up that Browns next to Joe Shaw, but who's more of a leaner linebacker, who's a bit more handsy, better in coverage. But I think Collins is going to come down and hit hard. 
Yeah, I, I have the same thinking as you, but perhaps a slightly different, but kind of the same position. And I've gone for Edge, Aziz, Ojolari, but really in that scheme, I think Collins and Ojolari are kind of playing the same position. Yeah, sort of edge outside linebacker type role. Um, they need someone disruptive at that position. They've got it shorn up with a one player on the edge, if they can get another, I think that elevates Cleveland to being a championship quality team. I really think that Cleveland should be expecting to make the championship game next year if they have a good draft. Yep. All right. And you've gone for Edge, Jason Oway. Yeah, this was a toss up between Edge and Christian Barmore, but I feel like they'll. I feel like the Browns will put just a slight bit higher, more emphasis on the edge position. I think there's still quite a lot of quality there. And given the division they're in, there are a few suspect looking offensive lines in that division next year. There's going to be quarterbacks scrambling around. I think you go out, you get a good edge rusher to go hunt them down and you might have a lot of success against them. Um, so yeah, um, at this point with the edges, it's more guessing. I, there's no real logic there. I think they're about, on par with one another so it could easily be one of the other guys but I think they just value Edge over um, over Barmore Alright, um, Baltimore at 27, you've gone for Trevon Morig. Ravens need a safety the Ravens are desperate for a safety there and I don't think anyone else is going to pull the trigger on Morig earlier in this draft so I think the Ravens sat there at 27 go, thank you very much we'll take him instant upgrade in that secondary for them at a position of need just a very sensible pick as far as it goes for them alright I've gone with Jalen Phillips at edge, he's fallen quite a long way I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are worried about those injury concerns Baltimore are absolutely desperate for an edge, I think they'll be waiting for Aziz Ojolari and he'll be taking the pick before and I think they'll kick themselves Phillips is probably the most talented edge of the class but I worry about that downside. Baltimore are no stranger to taking a risk. And I think that this is actually going to pay off for them quite nicely. Ryan, you have Jason Owe at edge. Yep. I think he, like say, they need an edge. Matt Judon's gone. They need someone to play on that side. And he won me over. That pro day was fantastic. He showed that he has got elite speed. And I think he's going to blitz off around that hedge. And he's going to be able to replace those sacks that Baltimore need. All right. And we have for Steve, Trevon Moerig to Baltimore. Yeah, I think I'm sort of detailed it really well. Um, I think Moerig's a classic Ravens type guy. Um, you know, he's got a, a great physical frame. He's long. He's you know ideal for safety, hard hitting. He's had two absolutely outstanding seasons. Um, and I think he's a real impact player for the Ravens. I'd just like to say, if we do trade out of the number seven pick, um, and if we end up like trading down to say like at Pittsburgh or some someone like that, and Murig is still around, I'd be really pleased with this pick for the Lions round one. If if this is like a lower end, and we've got you know like a couple of couple of other picks for it, I, I think Murig is a a player that would fit really well with Dan Campbell. Um, and I think our defence safety is a real worry for me. So I, I think this could be potentially a Lions trade down, but we'll see. I'd take him at 19 if we traded with Washington. That would be the yeah. person I'd be targeting at 19. Yeah. 
anyway yeah and I, I think he'll go somewhere between like you know 18 19 and, and like late 20s right new orleans steve edge gregory rousseau yeah um i think rousseau is uh you know uh, a, a classic sean payton player um he slipped down my board because I've just gone with a cup with Ojolari and Quitty Pay ahead of him. Um, but I think Russo will, would be a great fit for the Saints. All right. For New Orleans, for Ryan at 28, we have linebacker Jamin Davis. Yep. The Saints did a linebacker. Anzalone is gone. Quan Alexander's gone. Demario Davis is, well, he's knocking on now. They need some young blood in there. And that guy worked out well. He had a ridiculous workout and he has, he has shot into the back end at first of me. I think he'll fit right in that. All right. I've gone with Zaven Collins. Um, similar idea to Jamin Davis, really. I think at his weight and at his playing speed, which is incredible for someone of his weight, I think you'll fit that New Orleans scheme very, very well. We've spoken about him already, so I'll, I'll cut that short. Greg Newsom for Ant, cornerback for New Orleans. Yeah. Um, Janoris Jenkins is gone. He's been a staple of that defense for some time. They need to replace him at corner. And I know Ryan mentioned that obviously they've lost a lot at linebacker as well. But if I'm Peyton and I'm sat there looking at value in this draft and I'm thinking, right, what value am I going to get in first at linebacker and third? And what am I going to get at corner in the first and third? And I think this linebacker class runs deep, uh, a lot deeper than corner. So for me, I'm going to take my chances in the later rounds and go linebacker to get some replacements in there. And I'm going to go with corner earlier on. And as I mentioned, I love Greg Newsom. I think he'll be a really good fit there. He's rocketed up draft boards, you know, in recent times and, I think that hole left by Jenkins, they'll want to fill that because they'll want to get the best possible guy in there to replace him first. And then I think they'll go linebacker afterwards. All right. And with the 29th pick, Green Bay select Creed Humphrey center. Yeah, so this, this is my wild card pick for the first round. Obviously, I love Creed Humphrey. I think out of all the prospects I've seen whilst I've been doing all this research this year he's one of the guys who's just stuck out like a store thumb just for how good he is i think he's going to be the next great center in the league i think he's got all the potential in the world and the packers have a problem on their o-line now they've just lost Corey lindsley who was the best graded center in football last year and is a hell of a player it's a hell of a loss for them so there's no there's no center there's no right tackle but last year they did it with rick wagner they got in a cheaper guy, put him out there. I think they'll put the offense. I think they'll put their. Um, I think they'll put their priorities at center and replacing him instead. And for me, you know, Creed Humphrey's the best center in this class by a mile, and I really don't want to see him go there because I really want them to struggle on the O line and I want to see Rogers get sacked a lot more. But for me, <laughs> I think I think that's that's where they're gonna go for me. I say it's my wild card pick. I don't think anyone else has got Humphrey this high, but. I can see them going that way. I just hope they don't. All right. I'm going with cornerback Caleb Farley. He's fallen this far due to his injury concerns. Someone has to take him in the first round. I don't see him falling out of it. 
if you have a look at Green Bay, they don't have a glaring need at cornerback. They re-signed Kevin King to go along with the elite Jair <laughs> Alexander. But Kevin King is potentially the reason why this team does not advance to a Super Bowl because he is not good enough. They've re-signed him. They've committed to him somewhat. And for me, that gives you the Farley upside that you need. Farley, for all the fact that he may be medically cleared, having someone who is signed to be the starter already gives him maybe a little bit more time to rest and recuperate, make sure that he's back to 100% fitness before going out there and taking the starter role. I think it's a good fit for that defense as well, stylistically. All right, Ryan, you've gone with Creed Humphrey as well at center. Yep, and said it. I've read online that they're planning to try move two guards to center. Why take a pole, why take a square peg to put in a round hole and get track, just draft the best center in the, the draft? Makes sense. All right, and Steve, you've got Samuel Cosme at tackle. Yeah, and it's brilliant because it's um it's going to be unpopular with the Packers fans, and we're going to enjoy that because um you know they want more weapons for Rogers. Rogers wants more weapons for himself, um but they're not going to get it in terms of offense. Um, they've obviously lost. Um, you know, we've picked up their RB two, um, but you know I think they're stuck with a, another season of AJ Dillon grinding away behind Aaron Jones. And they've got, you know, Kevin King still blundering around in, in their backfield. Um, so they're desperate for help there. Um, and they want some pass rush, but they're not going to get it. And they're going to pick um, an offensive lineman. And I think probably Cosme will be around about there. Maybe a toss-up between him and who else is on the board. Possibly Jenkins. But yeah, I think that's the pick. And oh my God, the Packers fans aren't going to be happy about it. All right, and you've got the pick for Buffalo as well. Edge, Jason Owe. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fairly deep edge class. Um, and I think Buffalo, defense is probably their big need. And I think a bit of pass rush will help. And Owe is um, you know, a Penn State guy, and I think we'll do a job for them. All right, next up, Ryan. Edge, Jalen Phillips to Buffalo. Yep, like I said, Paul, but it's a bit it's a bit hit and miss you don't know what you're going to get if you can overlook his injury past this late on in the first then take a flyer on him it could turn out to be ever a positive side for the Buffalo Bills I think it's late enough to take a flyer on him all right I have got Eric Stokes for Buffalo when you look at that cornerback room Tredavious Wright good player Levi Wallace good player but I think that Eric Stokes with that speed playing at the slot as well as outside I think he he provides something which the Bills lack I just think it's a sort of a it's a luxury pick for a team which is contending but Stokes has got such upside that I, I can see him going here all right and Buffalo Jalen Phillips yeah I mean just to go back to your pick very quickly I like that, and I've been thinking about this for some time now. They do need a corner, and Stokes is my probably second favourite guy after Humphrey in this class of all the guys I've researched. He's a hell of a player, and I'd love for us to get him if we could. But I think Edge, for me, because Jalen Phillips has slipped, and as we've already said about him a lot, he's got a very high ceiling, and I just think with the Buffalo Bills sat at 30, if a guy like him falls to them, they need an edge rusher. And they get a guy with such as big upside as him sliding down. I feel that may be 
a little too tempting for them to pass up on. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they went for Stokes, and I think he'd be a wonderful pick there as well. But I think Edge, again, just wins out on that pick. I will just add that before I had Phillips, I had Elijah Molden because I saw that Nico corner need and I did replace him yesterday. But I kind of want them to take Molden. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like that pick if they went their way. Right, KC for Ant. Alex Leatherwood tackle. Yeah, well, you saw what happened in the Super Bowl last year. Patrick Mahomes got chased for over 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage. They just, they're, Both their tackles are gone left and right. They need help there on that offensive line. And at this point, Alex Leatherwood is the best guy left. I'm not that high on him. I don't think he's anywhere near the best talent in this class, but... They need a tackle and they can't really afford to wait for later rounds to try and find their guy a bit further on back in the draft. So for me, they just take best player available at tackle, which is Alex Leatherwood. But don't be shocked if they trade up, I reckon, because you saw how much teams are now going to get after Mahomes. They're going to follow the template that the Buccaneers did in there to get at Mahomes and stop that offense from functioning. So they, they have to go tackle to try and stop that. So in keeping with what Ant said there about them really needing tackle, I've gone with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, linebacker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's fallen this far, and for no real reason. I Every time I looked at the pick, I thought, that's a good player, but I think the other team should go for this one. I, I, it just came to a kind of line-by-line -line evaluation of, I prefer this guy for this team. And he ends up at 31. He's a far better player than that. And I think Kansas look at this and think, I can't resist it. I also think they think that the offensive tackle depth is so deep this year, you can find a, a tackle in round two that can be a starter, even late in round two, who can be a starter. And I think they take the best player available, which is JOK. Matt, you've been talking about this guy for so long, and I, I always thought you'd have, he'd have been around 20, 22 on your board, because you know, you, you're really high on him. And I'm... I get what you're saying, but I can't see him still there at 31. I, I mean, I, I do agree, but it's just the way that my board's shaken out when I've done it. Yeah. I, I, I can't really explain it. I mean, it's where like I take running back at, uh, Najee Harris at 18 to Miami, and I'm sure other people are not going to mock him there, but I just think it's something a Miami might do. But you have enough of those sort of outliers where maybe people are reaching or something like that, and you end up with a situation like this where people are falling that shouldn't also Caleb Farley falling to like 28 doesn't help my board in that sort of way so I do think it's slightly unrealistic but there we go I think yeah. Kansas would love this if this happened that defense needs help as much as they need tackles that defense is not good it's not bad mm -hmm. but it's not great Ryan you've gone for Elijah Vera Tucker that's a bit of a fall yep he's he has slid and I just think that's purely because he's such strong offensive line like someone unfortunately is going to have to slide him for me I think he's him but I think he's a tackle so he's going to plug straight in on the left side and I just think it's uh, like I say it's a line by line somewhere has to fall and I've taken a punt on a few guys so he's fallen by the wayside but he's going to be great I agree with you I think his the fact that he's projected to be more of a guard than a tackle I think you're very well right that he could slide I think teams are going to want guys who can definitely be a tackle and they may not want to take a flyer on him. All right, last one, pick 31. Landon Dickerson to KC Centre. 
Yeah, so, so Dickerson's a guy from Alabama um, that started at a tackle, but um, he can play guard, and I think he played a lot at center as well. Um, so he's a bit of a Swiss army knife on the offensive line. And obviously, you know, with, um, you know, Kansas City having to repair, you know, the gap that's been left by Eric Fisher and Mitch Schwartz, I, I think he could be a, a really good um, good pick for them. Because, yeah, the, the, the people are going to chase Mahomes around, this, you know, the field. They've, they saw what happened in the Super Bowl and, you know, they will know what's coming. So they, they definitely need to add some depth. But I do agree with you. I think potentially they could trade up if they see um, someone on the board that they, they kind of fancy that a little bit more. Like maybe if, um, yeah, maybe if like Dallas or, or Slater still around in the sort of like early 20s, then that could be a possible trade up. All right, final pick for you, Steve. Number 32, Tampa Bay, Javonte Williams running back. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it's hard to kind of, when you're picking for the Super Bowl team, it, it's hard to sort of, you know, <laughs> what are their weaknesses? Well, they just won the Super Bowl. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, Ronald Jones is possibly not one of their most convincing um, players. Uh, I think he's maybe um, flattered to deceive a little bit. Um, and I, I think possibly like the next running back is, is something that they could be looking for. They got Giovanni uh, uh, Bernard yesterday. No, I didn't see that. But uh, as you would say, Matt, a luxury pick. All right, Ryan, your final pick. Greg Newsom, corner. Yeah, I look at how to defend the Super Bowl. And I know they did one last year. But I look at Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamal Dean and Carlton Davis. Are they really the guys that are going to lock down the outside of the future of the defence? And like I say, this is a luxury pick for them. Nowhere they want. But I think one of them is going to end up being the weak link, so address it now. And I think Greg Newsom might say he, he worked out well, and he's going to just nip in at the end of this first round. All right, my final pick is Rashad Bateman. He's fallen this far, um, and it's kind of a result of his pro day, I think, People were expecting this guy to come in and be as big as he plays. He plays very big, but he's only six foot and he was listed, I think, at 210. But he came in at 190 or something like that. It was like he'd lost two inches and 20 pounds. And he plays to what his listed height and weight is, but he literally isn't that height and weight. And I think people would have been considering him as a potential wide receiver, one for a team, and maybe have to reevaluate that. I think it's a terrific value play for Tampa Bay who look to take the best player available. And Bateman could still be a wide receiver one. I don't think that should affect him. But I think teams are going to have an idea in their head of who he is and then see those figures. And it kind of smashes that idea. And I think it's it's the same as someone who kind of under-promises and over-delivers and you think this guy's great. Whereas if the same person over-promises and under-delivers, even if it's the exact same person, somehow you're kind of down on that guy you know, I, I think it's some sort of um, bias that's kind of built into your expectations. And I, I can just see him falling as a result. All right, final pick in our mock draft for Ant Christian Barmore, interior defensive lineman at 32 to Tampa Bay. Yeah, so Tampa have the luxury of having back every starter from 
the Super Bowl last year, so it's kind of where do you go with them to start? But they're the only team, one, who've got an inside, interior defensive lineman as their top knee. But if you think about their game last year, what won them games? That front seven, that front seven's ability to destroy offensive lines, to go hunting the quarterback, that sets the tone for their you know, for the way they play. And I think if you're there at the end of 32 and Barmore's there, and the only reason Barmore's slid this far for me is because other teams will prioritise other positions above him, not because of his lack of talent. I think if he falls to the books at 32, they're going to be delighted. They're going to get even better in that regard, and it's going to be so hard to stop them next year, especially as they've got all the starters back from the Super Bowl and they've now got Giovanni Bernard as well in the backfield um, so yeah Barmore just makes them even more dangerous. Yeah I like that very much. Okay that's it boys um, let's just have a look at these mock drafts in total. Anyone have anything they want to pick out as maybe the biggest reach or surprise that someone didn't get picked or biggest fall they weren't expecting any thoughts as someone that you wanted to draft but you didn't? Anything that you want to come forward with at all? You have been telling me for the last three months that Rashad Bateman is a top 20 guy and he's at, what, 30 in your draft? I'm disappointed in you. 32. 32. 32. And you've been telling me for the last three months he is a top 20 guy and we should take him at 19. Quite a lot of uh, media pundits have him at wide receiver too, or more than you would expect in this draft behind um behind uh chase so i think that would back that up i just i have tried to factor into this range not what i would do not what i think the order is going to be but what i think teams will do i would still pick him top 20 but i don't think it'll go that way but yeah i think um one thing is, is in terms of the number of trades. So I think Ant's got four trades. You've got two. Uh, Ryan's got one, two, three. So yeah, we've all got about sort of three or four trades each. With so little information being available compared to what they normally get, I, I kind of wonder whether everyone will just sit on their pick and there'll be actually less trades than we think. And I wonder whether like the you know every year the media tries to like start a a hype train on all these like amazing trades are going to happen. And I kind of wonder whether people are just going to sit on their picks. Maybe there'll be like a couple of trades right down in the, like the, the twenties that won't really make much difference to the top player. So I, I think that's like the one thing I, I would kind of have a cautionary note on. Mm. Well, I think you look at the quarterbacks and I think there might be trade material there, but if you look at a lot of the draft, there's a lot of tackles in there. There's a lot of corners in there. There's a lot of receivers in there. I don't think there's a need. If a team wants one of those three positions, I don't think they have to trade up because there's a lot of picks in the first round they could potentially take. So I agree with you, Steve. I think a lot of teams are going to sit there and go, you know what? I don't need to give away a second or a third to move up a little bit. I'm going to get a good guy where I'm at. No need to move. I think the number four pick is absolutely fascinating in terms of what the Falcons do. I think the number four pick almost like is the, the the piece in the jigsaw that just unlocks the whole draft. Because if the Falcons do something crazy or if someone makes the Falcons a crazy offer, then I think everyone's draft boards are absolutely blown out of the water. I think the one really positive thing for us is, and I'm going to, you know, this is famous last words. 
could we fuck this up? I mean, like, <laughs> it, it just seems that w- there is going to be a really quality player on the board at number seven. I, surely we can't make a mess of this. Surely. I think I think the way that we make the, the, the worst case scenario is trading down with New England to 15. We only get their second round pick in return and we just balls up both picks. I can see us I can see us trading down to 15 and and reaching for someone at 15. I I just can. I think if we pick at 7, I don't think we can miss. The, the thing with the Falcons is interesting though because Fontenot did an interview today saying this might be the best chance they get to draft Ryan's successor. Now, is he doing what Holmes is doing and just generating interest in that position or not? You just don't know. But what I do know is if our number three pick comes to fruition, Mac Jones, that is going to be the biggest reach in a very long time in any draft ever. And I can say that with certainty. Certainty? Yes. Even the Raiders wouldn't make that move. Yes, they would. No, they wouldn't. That's how bad that move is. So let's just say the board goes the way that we all individually would like it to go, who would you like the Lions to be picking at seven? Kyle Pitts. And? Parsons. So what was that? Micah <laughs> uh, Parsons in a shock to absolutely nobody. Ryan. Uh, just because I think if we pass on him, we could regret it most. I feel like if we pass on Trey Lance, we're going to regret it. That's my big shout. Yeah, I, I feel that. What about you, Steve? Uh, I would be really happy with either Pitts or Chase. I, I just I, I completely get what you're saying about Lance. I've seen some of the tape. I just think he's so raw, and we've got so, so many needs, so many needs. So I you know, I, I think with the situation at wide receiver after Golladay and Jones leaving, and I'm not 100% convinced on the replacements, I just think we've got a massive need um, and we can't starve Goff of, you know, receivers. So for me, Chase or Pitts would be really good picks. But I also, if we traded down to like 9, 10, 11, and we picked Parsons or... An, an edge, I wouldn't be displeased, but I, I would be pissed off if we traded down to 15 or I don't know, like 20, whatever Pittsburgh is, 25 and for 24, and we ended up picking like Farley or you know, the, the third offensive lineman that would piss me off. I was about to say, if we drafted like Tevin Jenkins at 15 oh, or something, God. I can yeah. see it, I can just see it. Two well, I positions think... I don't want. I don't want alignment and I do not want a corner. I don't care where we are. People making a case for like Sertain or Farley. I'm not buying it. I'll be livid. You know what? I'd take Sertain over a tackle. I don't want a tackle at all. I'd sooner take Pitts than a tackle, but I don't want to take Pitts at all. But I think people who want to take Pitts secretly are very masochistic. They just want to see Lions Twitter burn and just bask in its wreckage. How about uh, so going back to your own mock drafts? Is there anyone that you didn't pick in the thirty-two picks that you would have liked to have picked, or that you were surprised that you didn't? Stokes. I really wanted to put Eric Stokes in mine, but I just I like him and I like Greg Newsom, and I just value Newsom over him a teeny tiny bit more. Hmm. 
I would love to see Stokes go in the first, but well, no, I wouldn't. I'd love to see him drop and come to us, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm going to regret taking out Elijah Molden. I think I think he is going to sneak in at the end of the first. I think he's going to be a Swiss Army knife somewhere. Yeah, for me, amazingly, Zaven Collins. I didn't pick anywhere. Um, which is disappointing, you know, for family loyalty reasons. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh, brother Collins, just a, a bit, a bit like yourself, Matt. Like I just couldn't find the right landing spot for him. And you know, we've got such a massive need at, at linebacker. He's he's someone that if we did trade down to fifteen, twenty, I, I, I'd be happy to. If he was the best linebacker on the board, I'd, I'd be happy with the pick. Mm. But I'd I'd want some draft capital in return. The way your board's gone, I would see him going 32 to Tampa over Javante. Just, I don't see them investing a high draft pick. They clearly don't value the position highly because of how much they're paying their current running backs. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, Tampa Bay is so strong at linebacker. Can always do with three. Uh, uh, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. If if your team is entirely complete, just take someone of value who's going to be there five years from now, I guess. I don't know. For me, I haven't picked several players I would want to see go round one, just for value reasons. Um, So Radens, who I think Ryan picked quite high. Um, Onwuzurike, Nick Bolton, Tony, Jason Owe, Jamin Davis. There's so many there that I could see going first round. Baron Browning, I absolutely love. He is such an elite talent in terms of athleticism and, and twitch and yeah. I, I really would like to see us take him at 41, potentially, if we don't a, go linebacker in round one. He's a great second-round pick for us. Great second-round pick, that would be. If, if, uh, if we took him no. or, oh, yes, uh, Richie Grant. I know, I know, Ant. We've got it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got it. Right, any, any closing statements, boys? I want Jabril Cox. I really want Jabril <laughs> Cox, a linebacker. I don't care if it's round two or three. I just don't know where he's going to go. Mm. He's so hard to work out. Yeah, I just want to say Ryan's as hard on him as I am as Grant, so you know you can't criticise me for that one. No, no, I won't. If, but... if we if we get Parsons, Cox, and Grant first three rounds, beautiful draft, absolutely mm. beautiful for our defence. For for my closing statement, I refer you back to my statement from a couple of minutes ago. Surely we can't fuck this up. <laughs> That's the name of the of the draft episode perhaps <laughs> but 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 that's why brad holmes is is here and you know th- this is what th- this is where the guy's going to earn his money you know he's been great at pr great at the kind of you know talking to the media and talking about culture and and you know but this is where the guy earns his money come on brad sort us out yeah is, is, is that going to be our episode name then for the uh the pod after the draft well we fucked it up. <laughs> Maybe. Could be. I tell you what, I am so looking forward to if they actually do it, doing what the Rams have done in the recent years and have that press conference where they bring on each scout who identified the talent that we actually ended up picking and they just tell us why. I I can't wait to watch that. It's the sort of openness that I've been looking forward to for since my fandom began, really. So I hope they deliver that. Right. Our next episode is this time next week, 20th of April. It's a seven-round mock draft, Lions picks only. We'll do that live on Twitch, and I'm hoping that I'll get around to actually sorting out our YouTube so we can stream to that at the same time as well. If I'm feeling particularly adventurous, I might try and do it to Facebook, 
as well, but we'll find out more <laughs> later on in the week. It is the Roar of the Lion's birthday on Thursday. And I, I say that loosely, it's not the anniversary of the first podcast, but it's my birthday tomorrow. And I remember saying very, very clearly to Sarah, my girlfriend, oh, I really want to do this blog about the lions. Like, I've got so much ideas. I really just want to write about them, blah, 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 blah. It was the third or fourth time I'd said it to her in a few months. And she just turned to me on my birthday and said, just fucking do it, will you? <laughs> so the next day, I, I bought the website, made my blog, first post went up. And I've not looked back a few months later. We're all together doing this, and it's been a fantastic ride so far. I'm so happy we've got to our first birthday. And actually, I have just decided, therefore, that that is the day, Thursday, that I'm going to be releasing my interview with our mystery lion. Um, highlight of my fandom of the lions, really, so far, is talking to this guy. He's a terrific person. He comes across really, really well. I messaged him on Twitter, and he just messaged me back saying, yeah, I'll do it. And he clearly wanted to be there. You can tell some players in a press conference, and I mean, I am no interviewer, really. You can tell in a press conference when they've been told to be there, short answers, get me out of here, don't want to be here. Not this guy. Stand-up guy, and I'm rooting for him so hard next season. But keep a look out for YouTube, Twitter. I'll be putting it on there on Thursday. Thing right. is, Matt, like, he wasn't going to do it. But we, you know, Ryan and me, we just kept on to him at Twitter and said, look, it's his birthday. Come on. <laughs> Come on, and eventually we talked him around. Help, help the special kid, help the special kid, give him a present, yeah. Make a wish foundation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> recipient right here. Um, questions, by the way, boys, that you came up with really hit home, so I'm very grateful for you taking the time to make that as good as we possibly, possibly could. Right, if you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to add us on our socials. If you followed us on Twitch today, you've watched along live, so grateful to you for doing that. If you haven't, please add us on our Twitch. It's ROTL underscore UK. You can also find us on YouTube. Search for Roar of the Lions UK. You can also find us with that as well on Facebook. We also have a group, which is the Detroit Lions Fans UK One Pride Worldwide. That's the group. The page is Roar of the Lions UK. On Twitter, the handle is ROTL underscore UK. And on Instagram, it's ROTL.UK. We've got draft, blogs, and other analysis on RoarOfTheLionsUK.com. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you submit a question along with that rating, we'll be sure to get to it and give you an answer as soon as possible. My thanks to our regular guests, Ryan and Steve, to my co-host, Ant. I'm Matthew Turner. We'll see you next week. Let's go, Lions. One pride. One pride. Really, we can't focus up. And a happy birthday for tomorrow. Aww.